Buck Show. It's uncut. It's unfiltered. This is the show of shows. This is the biggest names in drag racing. No holds barred. Speaking his mind. I've never had a problem expressing my opinions, but what we're doing here is bigger than that. These are conversations that need to be had in an unfiltered way. Exploring hot topics. Drag racing's all I've ever done. It's all I care to do. And spreading the gospel of drag racing. I respect the history. I appreciate how far we've come, but I want more for this sport, and I'll fight for it. This is the great American motorsport, drag racing. The West Buck Show starts in three, two, one. Hey gang, West Buck here, Drag Illustrated Magazine, checking in. It is Wednesday, January 25th, 2023. What's up? Good to have you. Thanks for joining us here around Drag Racing's water cooler so we can talk shop. I just fresh off an hour-long interview with the one and only Joe Costello over on WFO Radio. Huge shout out to Joe for having us and uh, helping shine a light on the World Series of Pro Mod. We've got a whale of a show for you guys today. Here in a little bit, about a half hour, we'll be joined by FlowRacing.com's Courtney Enders, and we'll follow that up with a few words from the man, the myth, the living legend, Tricky Ricky Smith. We're going to talk a little World Series of Pro Mod and his titanic matchup with Nitro Racer extraordinaire, the one and only Scott Palmer, the people's champion himself. Thank you guys all for being a part of this. I want to say that right at the top of the show each and every week. We can't do this without you. It means the world to us. It's it's like oxygen to us. All your comments, the likes, the shares, the subscribes um, on YouTube. So please uh, help us spread the message, spread the gospel of drag racing, and know that we really, truly appreciate your involvement in the show. If it weren't for all of y'all joining us to do this, I don't know that it'd be Half as much fun. Who am I kidding? It's a blast talking drag racing. I'm lying to you. But it sure does make it a whole lot more fun when you all join us. So without any further ado, I'll introduce my cohorts here on the Drag Illustrated uh, social media platforms. The one and only Mike Carpenter and my my brother from another mother, JT Murder Tundra. <laughs> What's up, dog? Who's, somebody's already in the in the chat saying Ricky doesn't talk to fans. I've seen Ricky he's, talks to everybody. Quit back, yeah, up, boy. He's busy tuning that thing. Yeah, man. Ricky's a one man band. I think that you know to to kind of talk about Ricky a little bit here before we get into uh, our interview with Ricky a little later in the show. Don't you think that that's kind of the magic, you guys, of pro modified style drag racing? Just what you mentioned, Mike. Racers that are doing it all themselves, and it's not always the case. And there are certain ex- certainly exceptions to that. But it, this is real deal grassroots drag racing. You got a guy like Ricky Smith. He'll drive the truck. He'll he'll tune the car. He'll rebuild the engine. He'll put up the awning and he'll go double O on you in round one. But that's a dying breed. We've it talked is. about that. Ricky's yeah. one of the few that still. That's how everybody did it back in the day. I mean, even you go back to pro stock as well. That's how it was done. That's what's changed there. Is what's changed in pro mod. Uh, but yeah, Ricky, if he's ever uh, not friendly with the fans or or someone gets that impression, it's the, the guy is as hardcore as they come when it comes to racing and winning. So um, he feels like he's working. He right? is. Yeah. yeah. That's how on he that, earns on his the living. Like so. that. Yeah. He's not not necessarily there to put on a show he's there to work you know yeah he's so. there to win and and yeah. i do think that that's part of the magic to be honest of pro modified style drag racing because it really is the highest level of grassroots racing and you have guys for sure like ricky smith todd tutter stevie jackson there there are a handful of them that earn their living going drag racing but by and large this is guys that are you know like the ultimate weekend warriors, you know, this is something that they pursue as a sec, as a passion, as a hobby. So it's a really interesting group of people in my opinion. Yep. 
Absolutely. We got Joe WFO radio. Oh, yeah, you just man. came off there, man. That what was, up, that was a good hour long, uh, world series of pro mod promo. You cut a promo, oh, dude. He, he did cut a promo. He does a great job. And, uh, I appreciate him having me on. I've actually been itching to get on his show for a while because I don't know, uh, to be totally honest, like I was like, I want to have somebody interview me. I got a bunch <laughs> of shit I want to say, you know? And so light it's, work day. It's a light work for Joe. He just kind of hit record and yeah, that's my song. Let's let you talk. Yeah, wind me coffee. up, turn me loose, baby. Yeah, <laughs> know, man. Right? Like, I'm on like cup number cord. six. Yeah, <laughs> I'm on cup number six of coffee. So no, I've got and I just spilt coffee all over my desk. So uh, forgive me while I try to um, manage this disaster. But uh, yeah, man, what do you guys got going on? Anything good? Do you guys have good weekends? Yeah, yeah. Would you do uh, JT? JT's has good weekends every weekend until the Chiefs lose, which oh, yeah, we'll yeah, see. Yeah. We got we got two more to go, Nothing right? Really changes. You just don't watch football. Two more to go for T. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was I, worried about you though, JT. I mean, even after the Chiefs won, we didn't hear from you for like two days. I was worried what had happened if you were had like done something drastic after Mahomes twisted his ankle or what. Like, did you actually see that they still won the game? I was worried yeah, about you. Yeah. I, I probably could have rewatched the end of it, you know, just to see everything that happened. But you know, <laughs> in single, not in double vision. Is that what oh, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, we, we celebrated geez. hard. Did you? <laughs> oh yeah. Where Where did you end up watching the game, JT? Take us through it, like at your house to, at the no, country I went club. To Smitty's. I went down okay. to you know the local honky tonk. You got yeah, my, my old bar that I built, know. and my brother owns now, and and went down there, and everybody came up, and we uh, had a pretty good time, and then. I don't know. We hit a few more bars before the night was over. I don't know. There was Taco and Bell. And then somebody was cutting everywhere around the truck. You know, somebody so. was cutting donuts in a in a yep. Cadillac. Yeah, I saw that. Yep. I'm always oh checking God. your social after that too. I'm like, all right, don't probably the way he's gonna surface is some bananas video of them like jumping a golf cart off a cliff or or doing donuts in a Cadillac <laughs> that and that's what came through in the snow. I had that conversation with my buddy, Tim, uh, Morton tugboat. Uh, this is one of like my longest, my oldest friends. Uh, we went to high school together. We were joking the other day that we did all the stuff that's happening on YouTube before it was fashionable, like jumping yeah. car, like sending cars over motocross jumps, uh, driving cars through town with helmets on slamming into each other. Uh, I mean, we did all that stuff before it was fashionable. We, like, we used to joke, and I've, I even got on video a lot of it. I've got you know, quite I a bit used, of video. Yeah, because we used to carry it. We used to have a video camera, and, and uh, we were like was doing it shoulder jack- mounted? Shoulder yeah, mounted it was. Camera? Yeah, actually. This and had been what, we were doing 70s, early 80s for you? Yeah. We had, I had this little Corsica. and We were doing it before Jackass was. Yeah, before it was like a thing. To and a buddy Brandon Wood that would literally like you can kick him in the shins, he'll slide down the concrete, you know, like you, you just can't, you can't be destroyed. I remember <laughs> Tim and I leaving Buck Brothers, my dad's repair shop one time, and he was in his little uh, Mercury, whatever little four door sedan, and I was in my Chevy Corsica, and we literally put our helmets on, and I said, let's drive through town and do like driving demo derby, like just during the day. He's like, let's do it, send it, let's go, and we were like literally driving through town, slamming into each other, spinning each other out, grinding each other up into that, you know, that concrete wall along Osteopathy Street in Kirksville. We oh, got yeah. deep shit over that deal actually because. Uh, it wasn't very hard to figure out whose white Corsica like needed a door and quarter panels and front fender. And, good like, old the days, man. You could buy, you could buy a yeah, piece man. of shit car for like 250 bucks and you have know, so get, much get, fun. Get five guys to chip in $50, you know, license it. This is some small town Midwest. And shit, then just right go here. out and oh, completely man. destroy it, jump it, 
run it through ditches, you know, and then yeah. when it broke down, you just hook your log chain like through the windows, you know, around the yeah, and just oh. drag it. And then your friends that are back in it are freaking out. Yeah. I mean, was- that was like a regular <laughs> Saturday afternoon. Like, yeah. let's go yeah. buy a car from the salvage yard, like find something that we can get to run a couple hundred <laughs> bucks and like go send it off the motor. Because there's nothing jumper. else out there. There's True. nothing else there's going not, on. There's not much to do here. That's yeah. that's for that, sure. And that, that's why. That doesn't happen around here. I can tell this you. This is Man. some of the best oh, memories bullshit. of my life, to be honest. I bet it happens around there. Yeah, that, I mean, that's why you guys are fish out of water. That's why you guys are a fish out of water when you come back here to the Carolinas and end up end up in trouble. <laughs> no, whatever, man. We have a lot of fun. Yeah, we've carried it on for a long time. We have a we have a big time no matter what we're doing. So yep. I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. So no, I went to a wedding. Uh, just uh, it was a it was flew to Missouri and didn't even come up back home. That's what I was doing. I was there for like 24 hours, not even flew up, went to a wedding, immediately flew right back home. So Alicia, my wife was in the wedding, so I wanted to be there. And, you know, I had a big time, dude. We uh, we went out on the first night and it was like a rough late night, man. Oh, my goodness. And yeah, yeah, we're back. We're back in action. Back. Everybody survived. So I don't know. On to the next one. Right. Back to work on World Series Pro Mod. So what's some new since last week? We've had some new developments, some some class announcements. We got what? Let's let's bring everybody up to speed on everything we announced for World World Series of Pro Mod since last week's show. Yeah, man. So f- the main announcement that we made Monday of this week was our partnership with FlowRacing.com. Super excited about this. Perfect timing, actually, because uh, Courtney Anders from FlowRacing.com just joined us in the green room. But this has been a, a, a work in progress for quite a while, something that everybody's heavily invested in and, and needs and wants to have happen at a high level. So we were, we've been working on this, ironing out details, and we were able to finally announce uh, this partnership with Flow Racing on Monday. I don't know that we could be any more excited about it. And their level of excitement and enthusiasm is really uh, important to me to have willing partners, to have eager, excitable partners. And Flow Racing literally fits the bill, man. They tick every one of those boxes. I think that they have, they use this phrase in some of their, and I don't know if this is a message that's kind of sent from the top down, but they've done a fantastic job of really empowering promoters. Like, I had a guy tell me one time the most important, and this isn't going to be like music to everyone's ears, but I do think it's true. Mike, you and I have had this conversation, and I think you may know where I'm going with this. The most important thing in drag racing is successful promoters because we have to have these events being successful, making money, being viable over the long term because I think a lot of the great things that have happened in the sport of drag racing have been like largely philanthropic right? Yeah. You have somebody that's got a ton of money and they're all excited and they show Google up that. in the sport. Um, yeah. Right. Can you spell that? Yeah. Yeah, I can. What I mean, my, <laughs> JT is it's like a charity operation. It's some well-to-do mega business owner. Uh, I mean, how many times have we and seen it in the pro NHRA mod. pro mod? Yeah. I mean, yeah. look in pro mod multiple times. We've seen these overseas teams show up, right? Spend all this money, but then the the new wears off and they're on to the next thing, right? Or you have some big money sponsor show up. Uh, I think about uh, Pro- ProCare RX. You remember that, right? They came yep. in and they were going to reinvent ProMod drag racing and they were going to have a TV show and they're going to do this and they're going to do that. And oh my God, ProMod's going to be a pro category. Everybody's excited. 
two, three, four years later, like I said, the shine has kind of started to dull. He's on to the next thing and they're back at zero. Now yeah, what do yeah, we rinse do? Rinse and repeat. Oh and my God. And we now gotta, we're, we got to look for another one, another person that wants that, that is, has the resources and wants to dump them into that with no promise of any ROI or, or anything like that. And I think flow, that's actually a good point that you make about um, that. I think that statement was in our press release. And I almost think that that, dates back to when we had our events, uh, the World Door Slammer Nationals. I think that they kind of had the same the same outlook then and have been trying to get that message across that when you when you buy a flow uh, subscription, you're not you're not just giving flow money. That money goes back into the sport that you love and are supporting. So I think that that's an important message and I and I'm glad to see them kind of use that consistently in their in their press releases and everything they do. Yeah. I think it's super important and that's you know, I think about the guys like Jason Miller uh, that put on the World Cup import versus domestic finals, the World Cup finals up at Maryland International Raceway. I think about the PDRA and, and Raleigh Miller and, and Steve Wolcott at NMCA and Donald Long comes to mind. Monty Miko with the YellowBullet.com Nationals, uh, Mel Roth, uh, Larry Jeffers in the IHRA now, all these different it's important that they're successful. And I know that nobody wants to pay an entry fee and nobody wants, I totally understand that. And the ying has to match the yang, totally get it. But these tracks, if we don't want them to close down, we need to make sure they're successful. We need to make sure that the promoters that go to those tracks are successful so they can reinvest, so they can fight the good fight and keep our sport uh, protected and here for the long haul. And that's something that I think flow really recognizes is they have and, to empower these promoters and put money back in the promoter's pocket so that they can grow these events, add more classes, pay out more money, whatever the case may be. And I just appreciate having a partner that is as invested in our success as we are. Yep. And uh, fighting the good fight, you know, Victor, uh, Garrett Mitchell down there at Brainton at, and at uh, Freedom Factory. Did you see this whole deal? The next uh, step of this whole development thing that that they're proposing that's going to basically surround those two tracks the the motorsports community showed out and and yeah. showed up in spades supposedly we crashed their email server on the day of this hearing or whatever for the zoning and i think based mainly uh, due to the overwhelming response, the developers went back and now they've come up with this whole thing where where the homes that are closest to the track are going to be a race village and marketed toward people that are willing and, and excited about living uh, near a racetrack and have an oversized garage or are motorsports enthusiasts, which to me, I mean, I know that doesn't solve everything and I don't think that that is the end of the the story when it comes to this deal, but that's a really interesting development and and the fact that the racing community was sort of able to impress that upon these people and actually get a change made before this thing's developed i don't think i've ever seen that or heard of that um what, what's your thought on that wes i don't know that it's uh, i think it's a much better than the alternative i mean is it the, the the fix all i'm not sure but man is it a step in the right direction and it's it goes back to that was a Vic Alvarez, uh, Garrett Mitchell, a.k.a. Cletus McFarland and the gang at the Freedom Factory that they're successful and therefore they're right. resourced and they were able to, you know, create the buzz and build the social media following it's and do all the things that they need of, to do of everybody just, moving in the same direction. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and not just the the drag racers, you know, but you got Garrett Mitchell, who who, uh, you know, a lot of young kids look up to, you know, YouTube channel is is you know i don't know how many subscribers he has but it, 
yeah, but you know, it brings in you know different types in motorsports, not just in drag racing. He made a he great presentation at that deal too. I don't know if you watched any of the video. Yeah, some good. of this, yeah. yeah, he did uh, an excellent job. Had some great points, and uh, I mean, it, it takes all of that too. I, I'm sure everybody working together. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure he'd have been re he'd he'd have rather been doing something else that day but you know he was showing up <laughs> yeah. to, defend, to defend his track and man yeah it seems like they're getting somewhere so interesting yep. to follow and see where that goes i'm excited to see where it leads and i'm just glad to see people willing to step up and fight back and preserve our sport i mean there are moments that i'm going hey we've got to we've got to be taking action here right we got to be loud and proud we got to stick our checks chests out we got to send the emails we got to show up on doorsteps i mean it's a really, really, really important thing. And anyways, to circle back around, having really great partners is probably the most important thing when it comes to putting on one of these events. And Flow Racing has stepped up in a big way. We're very excited about this relationship and kind of where it leads. We feel, and we'll get some insight from Courtney uh, here in a few moments, but I, I think that we're going to see kind of the best version of Flow. I think we're going to see Flow Racing uh, do something and surprise people. I think it's going to be uh, an interesting deal, and I'm very excited about it. Uh, before we bring on uh, Courtney Enders from Flow Racing, I do want to remind you guys that each and every episode of The West Buck Show is brought to you by our friends at Redline Synthetic Oils. Redline has a reputation with racers and hardcore enthusiasts for creating products that perform and protect better than any on the market and they've been doing it since 1979. Whether it's your race car, your tow rig, your motorcycle, or your lawnmower, when you think about lubricants, you need to think about Redline. For more information, log on to redlineoil.com. Tell Mark and the gang that we sent you. Guys, uh, Courtney's become a little bit of a recurring guest here, and now she's doing all the shows. Yeah, right? we're going to have to like oh, send yeah. her an exclusivity contract or something. She was on. I was watching. Uh, I didn't get to catch it live, but I watched great episode of the Shake and Bake podcast with Stevie Fast Jackson and Lyle Barnett. Courtney kind of stole the show on, on that uh, deal last night. I caught up with it this morning, had a lot of uh, really positive uh, words about the World Series of Pro Mod. Let's bring her to the let's bring oh. her on, ladies and gentlemen, the one, uh, the only. Oh, she disappeared. She, she vanished. Oh, of course she did. Yeah, yeah, of course okay. she did. That'd be, <laughs> Courtney, gotta be, gotta be difficult, don't you, Courtney? <laughs> you know how this goes. Yes. yes. Well, they're they're building a house next door to me, and I saw somebody pull up, and I knew Jackson would be loud. So here we go. <laughs> well, hi guys. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks so, for glad you made time for us in your in your busy uh, live show and podcast schedule. Listen, it's. I was joking with some of my work friends this morning. And I said these podcasts are like becoming my job, and I love it. But like, I Welcome still have a job. I still have a job. I know. I know. Yeah, it like takes up. It takes up a lot of time getting ready. For it does. It really but does. I, I love it. I love it. And you guys have kind of started that, Wes. You were one of the first ones. You and Joe Costello to to trust me and come on and and talk about stuff that I pretend to know about. So thank you. Oh, it's our pleasure. And it's Joe had us on one time. Denny Courtney when <laughs> during COVID after we'd uh, <laughs> done like a happy hour with the Crusoes and, and we jump on there and we were all pretty tanked. Joe had me on one time <laughs> and uh, haven't been invited back. Yeah. Hey Joe, holler at me. <laughs> you're you're too calm. You got to be like me and JT. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah I don't think he, I don't think he knew what the hell to think about this that stuff. Day. Is important, <laughs> I, and I don't know how we uh, you know stay on topic here because I'm gonna bounce around a little bit. But I actually sent Stevie uh, Stevie Fast Jackson for those that don't know, and Lyle Barnett have launched their own podcast. I think they've put out two episodes so far. Their plan at the moment is to do like an every other week 
type of format, which I think is fantastic. It's just, it's manageable, right? Time-wise, because uh, I can speak from experience that doing this every Wednesday without fail live can be a bit of a grind. It's a, it's a big, uh, big undertaking. But I sent Stevie and Lyle a message this morning and thanked them because our sport needs as much of this type of content as we can get our hands on. That's where stick and ball sports, we've been talking football a little bit here this afternoon, that's where they kick our ass so badly is they've got all these talking heads and all this shoulder programming because, again, it's easy to be excited Friday at the racetrack when cars are doing burnouts and things are happening. It's easy to be excited on Saturday and Sunday, especially Saturday night during eliminations or Sunday during eliminations. There's all this stuff happening, but maintaining that enthusiasm and keeping people interested through the week is so hard to do, but so important. So, you know, I'm glad. I know it's a, it can be a task, and you've got a bunch of them that you do at this point, point, Courtney, but it's important. We're doing the Lord's work. I mean, we need as many people talking about the sport of drag racing as humanly possible. I, I wish we were the only podcast, right? <laughs> but like, I, but not really, you know what I mean? Not really. I want there to be a bunch of them. I want there to be more voices than ours. It's, it's important. So I try to support anybody that throws their hat into the ring when it comes to creating this type of content. And the more, the merrier. I don't, I think it's a very big part uh, of all the success of all the other sports. It is. Consistency is the hardest part of yes. it, I think. Oh, yes, most definitely, especially when we're we uh, on the flow side, we're, we're trying to create a, a show for drag racing enthusiasts. Also, obviously, we syndicate your show, but trying to make our own in that sense, too, and finding a consistent day, even if it was once a month that somebody already doesn't have one or that we're not all traveling has been the most difficult part. You know, my guys at the production deal can do Thursdays and I'm like, well, every other Thursday I'm on an airplane. So I don't think people understand how much. Uh, legwork pre and post show that that this does this stuff takes not only the chunk of day it takes to do it so kudos to everybody making their space 287 episodes in guys wild you know, like a round of applause i mean and it is it's probably more than that actually it is because we only <laughs> yeah. started counting a couple of years ago you know and there were many many moons uh where uh we spent you know taping a an iphone to a box of magazines and going live i mean it's but no, it's it's a really important thing for the sport. I'm glad I saw that actually announcement. Courtney and the team at Flow are going to do Right Off Track, a new podcast hosted by Courtney Enders. I think it's going to be fantastic. And again, we need all of it we can get because there's I think there's a guy in the in the comments here, the Street Outlaw Stat guy, and I noticed the other night he has one. I tuned in for a little bit. I saw another podcast coming out for like the drag and drive community, and that's what it's going to take. I mean, it's to do what we need to do and match the energy that exists. We got to in stick and ball sports. We got to match the effort, right? I mean, because they're they're beating us with their effort, and obviously there's big dollars there. And I'm being a touch unrealistic comparing drag racing to like NFL or NBA, but we got to. I mean, shoot for the moon and hope to land on a star, right? You know, I mean, if we measure <laughs> ourselves against the NBA and Formula One and all those things, we may never attain that, but we might get close. Halfway there is better than where we're at. So not to anyway. not to be cheesy here, but we do have um, I'm corporate Courtney now. Right. So we have this this saying yeah, here at Flow that that one of our main goals on the content team is to create tribes. And, you know, that's not only within what we're doing, but with the community. And so it's like 
last night we even talked about it on Stevie and Lyle's show. It's like when you have a live show and people can comment and we can conversate with them, it's not just like you're watching the news or seeing who won or, you know, getting even the driver interviews or that. People are really feeling like they're building a tribe within drag racing and in the last really since COVID. I feel like that's that's only begun here. And we're just we're just getting to the tip of the iceberg, in my opinion. Agreed. And it's the tools that are available to us at this point in time are ridiculous. I mean, it's that's true. The technology. I mean, look at us. There's yeah. no excuse. I <laughs> yeah. mean, at this point yeah, we're in all time, spread out. We're all in the same podcast together or whatever. I mean, it is it's nuts if you think back 10 years ago and trying to do something doing like this, this you know? 10 years ago would have taken each of us on like a $500 a month internet connection, right? We would have each had to have our own really good digital DSLR camera or high-end video camera. We'd have had to have some sort of capture card to capture that video signal, right? And feed it into our laptop. We'd have to have some sort of, most of the technology that existed for this type of shit stemmed from church services. That, that was, oh, wow. it, you know, that was where a lot of this stuff came from because a lot of those church services, you know, they've got screens everywhere, right? They've got people watching from home that can't make it to the service. They were a lot of the originators of this type of software. And well, I mean, hallelujah, crazy, man. I mean, it's crazy to think how far this stuff has come. And I, I don't know, kudos to Stevie and Lyle, but they are going to find themselves challenged to do it every other week. Yep. And I'm glad that they set a, a, an attainable goal. But JT said it a minute ago, the, the challenge is in the consistency and you have to do it. And I, I've, I preach to people all the time. I see someone in here saying, uh, Victoria Beaner saying that she's getting ready to start her own podcast. I, I, if I have any advice to give you, it's treat every episode like the world's watching. Even if one person is watching, treat it like there's a million people watching give it the effort and the energy and the enthusiasm it deserves and eventually it'll happen right one will turn into five five will turn into ten and so on and so forth and you just have to commit to it and that's where people give up you you put out uh, i thought that was a pretty quote a pretty funny quote too but you, <laughs> a lot of people they'll do like three episodes right and the numbers aren't really trending the right direction and it's ah, screw it right bad attitude right you just have to keep on churning it out i told mike what were we talking about with social media somebody told me that they'd been promoting their race on social and i was like oh yeah like so what kind of content are you guys putting out and they're like well i've made like three or four posts i'm like bro i've made three or four hundred posts this month i was some, gonna say three or four an hour yes yeah, <laughs> some of them you, get you one like you can't have enough content. That's what we said. You know, you cannot have enough content. You cannot post it up. I think most people are afraid or think they've got the algorithm figured out. I could post once today or once a day at this time. This is when everyone's on. No, you just got to really hammer the thing as much as you can. And if you're starting your podcast, at least for the first few episodes, do not go back and listen to it. Do not go back no. and watch yourself no. because you'll, you'll scare yourself off from doing it. You'll criticize yourself. And, and if you can kind of get rolling and get comfortable with it, uh, you know, that's, that's going to allow you to and keep let doing the, it. Let the bloopers and the, you know, when you trip over words or anything like that, let it go, man. People are human. They relate to it's that. It's personal. Yeah, you know, Look it's at just us like every you're talking week. to them at the bar or talking to them at, you know, at the grocery store or whatever. Well, I don't know. Bar, grocery store. Bar, grocery store. <laughs> <Church>. <laughs> right? <You know? laughs> 
No, you're you're right there, Mike. I almost scared myself out of even being a, a pit reporter, which I, this flow deal would have never happened because that first race that I did where they obviously were scraping the bottom of the barrel did to call me it? and ask, I was freaked out. And then I watched a few interviews and I was mortified. I wanted to somehow hack into flow racing and like delete the entire <laughs> race because I just, but that's, we watch ourselves in that sense. And, and uh, Amanda Busick and some other people gave me some really good advice of like, let yourself feel comfortable before you actually start critiquing yourself. And that was the best advice. I don't even think I watched a single interview from the first two or three races that I did. Yeah, I still, I, I, I hate still to do admit that. it. I still don't watch the show. Yeah, I, I don't it, it, really I, engage I roll with past any it. of it. If it's on like flow or if it's on like during the like, down or something, I'm like, oh, turn this off. I'm not listening to this. You know, because I, if you don't, if you don't re-listen to it, no yeah. one else heard it. That's what I tell myself. That's right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I see it. Victoria makes another, I think, interesting uh, comment here. Someone has to talk about juniors. We are drag racers too. I agree. But the coolest part about you launching a junior drag racing podcast is that you clearly really care about that type of racing. And that's what's important, being be authentic, yeah. right? You've got to care about what you're talking about. And that's why I think a lot of the podcast and a lot of this content that really pops off, it speaks to a small niche, yep. right? A small group of people, a tribe, as Courtney uh, called it earlier. That's important. Develop your tribe. Get people that care about things. Uh, you know, go after. Don't go after the masses. The masses will come later. Go after the group that, that kind of rallies around what you're talking about. And here on the West Buck Show, Drag Illustrated's podcast for all these years, I mean, it's almost always been door slammer drag racing, right? Pro mod, pro stock, top sportsman, this stock, big dog, radial racing, because that's what we know the most about, right? The path of least resistance. And, and it's what we're the most passionate about. And that doesn't mean we don't love all types of drag racing, but you do. You kind of go with what you know. So lean into it, as Mike would say, or I say, I think both of us say that phrase <laughs> Anybody, all the time. It's yeah. at the top of the, of the key catchphrase list. Yeah, and there's, and Vic, there's Vic, different ways of doing it now. I mean, like if you tune into ESPN or NFL Network or any of these shows right now, I mean, a lot of these shows they just make statements just to get you riled up, and yeah. you know, and just so it's quoted, you know, on social media so that people can say, "Well, that's ridiculous. Why would he ever say that?" Or you know, or you know, like take top uh, Patrick Mahomes, take him out of the top ten quarterbacks. Well, they're only doing that. You know, to get your reaction. Blah, blah, you know? Chiefs, yeah. Chiefs, yeah, Chiefs. We hear we're, you. We're, we're, we know. Just, I'm just kidding. We gave, just using that <laughs> intro. We can talk about your Steelers, but they've been home for two weeks. So. <laughs> <laughs> no one asked. I do want to go back to Victoria real quick. Victoria, like that, you, I, I've, I've talked to people at NHRA about this. I've talked to some of the pro drivers, like when the junior crowd comes up and, and um, I remember as a kid, like we would have Tony Schumacher and Shelly Anderson come stage us for these exhibition deals. And, we're trying to within the NHRA, they're getting with the teams and trying to make this more of a of a full involvement type of deal. And so I think that you're you're hitting on a niche that is about to burst. And uh, if you need anything, I know I don't know much about junior drag racing, but if you uh, need anything or, or want any kind of of anything for that, please, I am I am 100 percent in on the junior program, because if you look at all the people doing things in our sport right now, it is wildly under talked about how many of them ran the whole program through juniors. So holler at your girl. I think that's one of the storylines that uh, to your point doesn't get talked about enough. How many of our current world champions, how many of our current like promising uh, talents and promising rookies 
got their start in juniors, right? I mean, it is a very, very incredible thing. And I, I can't believe the NHRA doesn't talk more about it, to be honest, because it's like, dude, your farm league works. Like, yeah, it, it works. Get excited about it. Be Talk more about it. Find ways to incorporate them or find ways to to pour the coals to that because, man, it, it clearly works, right? Not even as drivers. Like, you go up in the media room, you go to people working for teams, crew guys. Like, if they really did a whole deal, maybe we, we – I totally sidebarred you here. But um, if you really kind of took an assessment of how many people in the community came from that, I bet it's, I bet it's out of control. It's almost surprising when they run through the list of champions or anyone that's having success in the pro ranks if that person didn't compete in junior dragster. I mean, it's almost gotten to that point now because I think we're seeing like the – the first wave or maybe second wave of like graduates from those early days of junior dragster that are in the pros now. So you're kind of seeing it, it pay off. And I think that's like a forgotten aspect of what it was intended to do. I think we've gotten into, you know, how crazy junior dragster racing is, but it was supposed to be like drag racing's answer to karting and things that get people started on the circle track uh, path. Because I mean, pretty much any NASCAR driver now, if, if, if they haven't been driving a go-kart since, you know, they were right. five, Birth. They're, they're behind the curve. So that that's what it was intended to do. And I, re I actually remember those days. I'm, I'm dating myself now, but I remember the days like that was that was an HRA sales pitch. And it's kind of gotten away from that. Is there a podcast that you guys would be like particularly interested, like a person or a subject that you guys would be particularly interested to hear or would love to see somebody do like what we're seeing with Stevie and Lyle? Like that's a really cool uh, door slammer tandem, right? Two guys that are well known for being uh, outspoken personalities, great drivers, accomplished. Are there any other people that you'd like to see throw their hat into the podcast ring or a specific subject matter? Ooh, unprepared I've question. To, I've always <laughs> wanted to do a in the pits, you know, like I've done it a couple of times just with some videos and stuff, but like, just go hang out, you know, have some drinks after afterwards with, with guys in their pits and playing know. cornhole. Yeah. <laughs> and get the rest of the characters and just see them in, you know, like when they're not just, you know, what we see a lot of times in, in hotel lobby bars and, and whatnot oh, and, do and not put a camera in there no no well, i'm just saying like, i'm just the, kidding. Pers the personalities that, that yeah. we see is completely different than at the track jt and we awesome. should start a podcast we've talked about this let's do it drag illustrated after hours the podcast i think that would be cool. from the from the embassy bar <laughs> but, but do it you know in as many episodes as a guy could do or commit to it get a sponsor and one. say hey, we're gonna do, do eight one. episodes of these we're gonna do one at the gator nationals one at world series one at indie you know and do because that's actually a great idea one i think would be cool to see is a promoter i tried I to do this a couple of years ago but man interview interview bill bader jr right and just ask for tips and tricks um what do you do how do you distribute tickets do you buy radio advertising do you buy billboards how much do you spend on tv advertising um Get uh, Donald Long on there to talk to about the, to his the, promotional uh, strategy. Sporty Bandamir. Uh, you I mean, you wanted to have like on. a drag racing conference at one time, remember? And yeah. you could yeah, almost, like a summit. Yeah, you could almost do that summit. Yeah, you could almost do it. Um, you know, off of this anymore. You know, have a lot of pre-recorded stuff that you could go to. Let me tell you, Wes, for what you just said, and I hope I'm not outing him here, but 
that's okay. Uh, Jason Logan has for years, and if y'all watching don't know Jason Logan, he's the crazy guy who runs the DJ booth at the racetrack, official shoots the t-shirt cannon. Official yeah. Yes, he's been wanting to do something like that to where, you know, he, we've talked about it a million times. Of, can I set it up in your pit and just kind of get to the crew, get to the personalities and the fun part of that? And so I think that that would be a great counterpart to that. And he is as everybody knows, absolutely hilarious and knows us all on a level that, uh, that is a bit different. So, um, sorry, Jason, I outed your idea. <laughs> no, I, I just, I think that I'm a, I'm like a self-help junkie. I've read every book on personal development and business management and marketing. And I just like that shit, to be honest, for whatever reason, most of it is like regurgitated from books that are 30 years old, but it's still, it's a nice to have a refresher. And I do think that there are a lot of people that are coming into our space that need some guidance. Like I know what it's like to put on a race and not know where to start. Right. I mean, I've been there before and to, to know the action plan, to know the promotional strategy, to know the social media strategy, to know the ticket sales strategy, all mm -hmm. these different things. I think that'd be pretty valuable to folks. And I I would love to see the Sean Langdon, J.R. Todd podcast. I would love to see that come back. They did a great job of kind of letting people peek behind the veil. And they, they said what they thought about things. I think they caught some, you know, caught some very flat. much. They were, they um, were on the, on the early end of it though. I think what Stevie were. and Lyle are doing are, is very similar to that and not to take away from it, but they're real. Stevie and Lyle are two characters that are the same as Sean and Jr. where if you don't want to know what they think, don't ask them kind of thing, you know? And I think that that would be well received. I think Clay Milliken is doing a great job mm -hmm. with his yeah. behind the scenes videos. And he does a podcast in the off season. Typically, I don't know if he's been doing that as consistently this year. Clay um, sent me a text the other day and I'm, I don't want to, I'm not going to go through his numbers, but his numbers on his videos for 2022 are like in, incredibly impressive. But his, his main takeaway was that people are watching drag racing. That's what he yeah, did along with it, is that, you know, just check out my numbers for my videos I'm doing. And it kind of shows you that people, people are watching. It. It's not just like we say, uh, watching the NHRA broadcast or the actual races. They're, they're clamoring for this kind of content. Clay's consistent, all though, people the, back. what we talked yeah. about earlier. Clay's really consistent, and he's got that camera out a all lot. the time. You know, you know, like, hell, he walked into our podcast and had it on, remember? Yeah. You know, it, this is what Texas he said right here. He said uh, at the – go ahead. Yeah, yeah. well, he said, he said you can't base everything off the TV numbers. People are grabbing drag racing in other places. Yeah, I, I think, think that's true, man. Yeah. I, I really we, had, we had someone ask about what platform, and, man, your guess is as good as ours. I mean – you know, if you're on a business page, you know, Facebook really, really cuts you off at the knees. I mean, they just do. And so yeah, I think yeah. the social I think we're going to see, you know, man, I got it not to go on a tirade, but I think we're about to see like a sizable shift in the significance of social media. Like I think. Oh, yeah, was, I really do. I think that it's become it was like such a hot commodity commodity and everybody was excited about it. But I think it got so big so fast that now there's like a certain amount of burnout. I can't count the number of people who have told me that they you know, have deleted, deleted the, the Facebook app, app yeah. off their phone. And now they only look at it. Um, they recognize how much of a time suck it was. And I think also uh, this Elon Musk deal and Twitter, it's just kind of airing out a lot of dirty laundry, how much of this shit's fake, how many fake to accounts us, yes. there yep. are. Yeah. And I, I just, and this is honestly, I go back to this, man. I remember, I can't count how many drag illustrated advertisers called me up and like, Hey, we're pulling all of our print advertising budget. And we're going all in on social media. And I'm like, bro, 
<laughs> good luck, you know, and I hope it works out. Well, at that but, time, the floodgates were open. Yeah. And they, well, but they, but they, 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 they were they doing that afterwards, even though too, Mike, but they yeah. thought, but they didn't understand that, that if they posted something on their page and say, you three followed me, you know, you three may not even see it, you know, and, and they, yeah. didn't, they didn't understand that. They, they didn't understand why did that post only get one like, you know, I've got, I've got 5,000 followers and there's really no rhyme or reason to it. It seems. And Facebook is, is hard to deal with. We were just talking about this and we'll probably see our, our Facebook numbers just drop off a cliff as we continue to talk about this. can't drop off any more than what they've already, (laughs) already but YouTube, (laughs) if you're asking about uh, platforms for podcasts, obviously your audio only format, you know, that pretty much needs to go everywhere. But YouTube, I think is sort of establishing itself as the go-to format for this type of stuff. And, and, too, and Facebook, yeah. I think has kind of always played catch up on that, but Facebook is, is tries to do everything, tries to be everything to everyone. And, and it, there's a lot going on in there and it's hard to break through. I think YouTube, you, you reach more directly with your audience. Dude. Now with these, these YouTube shorts too. um, yeah. call me late to the party, but I've, I'm just now kind of getting my feet wet with all that stuff under flow, but like the like YouTube short short, shorts, yeah. shorts or cargo yeah, shorts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Daisy Dukes. Daisy Dukes, yeah. Man. No, but it's it's allowing, it's guy. taking that space to where where YouTube was only a certain type of video. Now it's like mm-hmm. you're posting your reels in there. And and I, I agree with that. I think YouTube is is keep it reels. If I could do it all over again, what we the issue that we have here at Drag Illustrated that we've trained a, a large percentage of our audience or a considerable percent percentage of our audience to consume this content on Facebook. And if I was able to go back, I think what we probably should have done and may ultimately do is, is pick that platform, right? YouTube it is. And that's going to be, that's what Lyle and Stevie are doing. And what I think to your point a minute ago, Mike, Facebook does try to be everything to everybody. And I think YouTube is positioning themselves as the go-to platform for a video podcast. I mean, Joe Rogan and all the big podcast impulsive with Logan Paul, all these huge podcasts live on YouTube and then they, they, they use these other social platforms to drive people back to it. And I think that that's the, the ideal scenario. What we're up against is we're trying to slowly convert our half million Facebook followers uh, to YouTube subscribers. And we recognize that that's going to be a process for us. It's because our podcast is live. We, you know, Facebook was one of the first platforms to allow live streaming via a mobile device, right? So we kind of went where it was going to be easiest to execute, right? And that was Facebook at the time. Remember Periscope? Remember when you could only go live on Periscope? Yeah, Yeah, that that really was the first live. It was. I remember doing that in Brainerd, like the first time in Brainerd I did it. I was like, this is wild. (laughs) Yeah. Vine was a good one too. It wasn't a live video deal, but I felt like that was kind of the the precursor to a lot of this like TikTok, really. And then they, yeah, it was. So we're going to, we're going to mention every social media platform on this deal right here and see which one. I'm a big fan of Facebook. I mean, and that's the thing is we've, we recognize, and it's also knowing your audience, right? Like we recognize that our demographic you know, for better or for worse is on 
Facebook. And Facebook is still the biggest social media platform. Two billion active users. Like it's bananas what happens on Facebook. There was a time that I thought it would like replace our driver's license. Like it's become so prevalent, right? It kind of has. Lives. You can log in. You can like log oh. into the DMV with your Facebook freaking app, man. It's bananas. <laughs> but taking that away. They're actually taking that away from a lot of stuff. Like you're not allowed because I think of like Facebook security is not good enough or whatever. They're taking that away. They've had too much problem with it. So uh -oh. that's uh that's going by the wayside. Okay, I take that yeah. back. <laughs> but, no, but it's true. I just find it very interesting and a fun conversation to have. But I think it's going to be that's why the Drag Illustrateds, the Flow Racings are just going to become more and more valuable because it's real. The numbers aren't inflated. The numbers aren't, you know, we know how many magazines we put in how many mailboxes. I love to have that conversation with people. We know how many people open our emails, right? Yeah. We know exactly, not bots, not scrolling past it and spending two seconds so it counts as a view we know how many people consume this content and i think it's really valuable you know in my opinion what is it courtney is sexier than socks on a rooster in a rooster that socks in a rooster i feel whoa, like that's whoa. not sexy <laughs> there's a lot going on right there uh, uh we have way more magazine subscribers uh, you'll do yeah <laughs> over double yeah Really right. making an impact let's, here. Let's talk uh, flow racing and World Series of Promo. Yes. Awesome. I'm that's listen, what, you that's, said it. That's what Courtney came on here to do, right? We got to get that out of the way. You that's didn't want okay. me to just come hang out? No, no. We got no, an okay. here. We no, I'm, I am. I, I know people say things like this when they're promoting stuff, but Wes, JT, Mike, you guys know. I was so happy and so relieved whenever we were able to, to spread the word of this. It was like I was having a bite my tongue and I wanted to just gnaw out of my chair whenever we were at the uh, World Series of Pro Mod press conference and we couldn't talk about it yet because things were still getting ironed out. And so I am just legitimately, authentically so very excited that that we could be a part of this because, in my opinion, this is going to be the coolest race that, that we do on on a level of our stuff, but just period. So I'm very excited. What, what And I'm being, and hey, I want to echo that yeah, sentiment. We are well. I'm excited to work with you guys and flow to to us it was a no-brainer right you're you were our choice it's you know the flow racing group uh kendra yourself uh kelsey cartuccio mike levy um everybody that we've encountered our kind of people people that we want to work with so it's it's it feels like a match made in heaven but i'm curious as someone who talks to a lot of different people in the drag racing community from a lot of different uh a lot of different walks of the racing life. You've got a big NHRA fan base. You've got friends in PRA across the board. What kind of buzz are you seeing? Cause I'm biased, right? And I'm going, this deal is going to be enormous. Like I'm, but when you, are you hearing it from other people? Do you feel like the, the hype is real? Absolutely. I mean, I, I also come from like a door slammer window of our sports. So I think that that's, that's part of it, but what you guys do to hype up this event is is really key there. Not only the invite only, there's so many pieces of the puzzle to what you're doing right to create that. But I mean, I have probably eight races before we um, come to, to Bradenton to, to stream you guys. And I mean, this is all we're really talking about. We're having weekly meetings on this stuff. Now, internally, we're taking care of all of our other partners and stuff. But when it comes to fans and, and corresponding on social media and the need and the want for people asking questions, you know, do you have information on this? Putting out ads, those quote placards, all the things that you're doing is creating this hype 
And it's, it's not falsely created because like, look at the entry list, look at all the people that are coming out to do something different than they normally do. And it's getting people talking, you know, like last night on shake and bake show, we had a discussion of the eighth mile quarter mile. So it's, it's not just a race and and the news isn't just going to be what happens at this race. There's so much around it and leading up to it that it's, it's almost like this weird culture right now. And maybe we're just stuck in the off season and we're all really excited for something new, but the evolution from World Series of Pro Mod when it was at Denver and then the Door Slaver Nationals and, and all of that and then COVID and all the things, I think everything had to happen the way that it happened for this to formulate to what it is. And I think it's come to perfection and, and I'm so excited. It's good to hear from somebody that's mm -hmm. like not on our team. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> I'm there always are on times we get on conference. Yeah, you're on our team. Yeah, but like whenever we have our conference calls, I'm like, you guys all feeling good? Like, yeah, I talked to so-and-so and they're blah, blah, blah. And I can't, sometimes I'm going, all right, maybe I'm in an echo chamber. Everybody's telling me what I want to hear. No. I wanted to. Dude, I had people hit me up to get invited and I don't even work for Drag Illustrated. They're like, what do I got to do to get invited? And and I love the hype and I sent all of them to you guys, right? I'm I'm like your your outside correspondent oh, somebody, or something. Somebody was bagging on me in uh, during Joe Costello's show because so-and-so's invite must have got lost. And, you know, we can't, it's tough. I hate it because, again, I've, I'm a people pleaser by nature. I want to get along with everybody. Uh, I'm not a super confrontational person. But it's um, exclusive, and that's the point. It's yep. exclusive, and I, I think that is lost on folks. I see some of these races where it's like uh, I see promoters trying to encourage people to participate. Um, hey, we need a handful more tech cards, and then we can do this. No, go out and pick your people that you want, and then you'll have people lined up. You know what I mean? Yep. As soon as you turn one of them away, you'll have a dozen fall in behind them because now you've changed the dynamic. Uh, a limited inventory changes everything. And as hard as it is sometimes to do, because did I not? We had to have like an internal meeting where everybody put your big boy pants on. And yeah. Your girl pants. <laughs> everybody get your thick skin ready because we're going to take some shit for this. But it is necessary because I stand, I firmly believe the buzz would not be as significant as it is if people didn't a know who was coming and there weren't significant people left out because there are people that deserve to be there 100 percent yeah. that we did not invite and it's nothing personal it just it's the cost of doing business for us at this point in time we knew in order to shine as bright of a light on pro modified drag racing as we wanted to and to put this class on the pedestal that i personally believe it deserves to be on as the universal universal language of drag racing, we had to do it. I had to exclude some people, and it's tough. It is a really, really, really tough thing, and I've had a handful of really uncomfortable conversations over the course of the last couple months, but I stand by it. It, it has changed everything. I don't have any conversations about the payout. Nobody asks me about 100000 Nobody asks me about anything. Nobody talks to me about CBS. Nobody talks all these amazing things that are happening but everybody is laser focused on who got invited and who didn't. So I stand by it. It, it worked. Uh, I'm very, and that will forever be the case. And, and I've, even they can, they can earn dad, their way in, you know, I mean, they just, you know, next and year, some of these know, things are developing, right? Yes. We, JT has kind of spearheaded this, uh, because of his background in golf, he looked at the masters, the major golf tournament and said, Hey, there's a lot of different ways to qualify for that tournament. Let's apply some of that thought process to world series of pro mod. And we're fleshing it out. I mean, we've already made it known that if you win any of the major in uh, pro modified drag racing series, uh, world championship, you're automatically get invited. 
right? I mean, it just, it goes without saying. We've talked about, you know, if you win a couple of specific events, we added the NHRA US Nationals to that list. Uh, if you win that race, you're automatically invited for the next year. So there's, there's all these little nuances. And I hope there's some young guys that got excluded in 2023. And I hope they understand that it's just, we have some people that are on the tail end of their careers that we needed to make sure got their moment in the sun. And, and, and you will get your chance, right? It's you no different than the 30 under 30 thing. I think as soon as you got that off your back and all the people complaining about that, then you got this, but that just goes <laughs> to show you guys and I'll, I'll, I'll pad you guys like how you're moving the sport. If you didn't have people up your ass, dare to say the least, I mean, then nobody would care. And so you guys are moving the needle. I just blame it on Mike and Wes. Yeah, that's, people hit that's me JT's up like, oh yeah, man, those guys. They, JT's yeah. everybody's friend. That's why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't have enough to do with that. Go talk to Mike over there. <laughs> yeah, and Mike's looking at me like, what the hell? <laughs> what did you expect, Mike? Before yeah. we cut you loose, I'm, I'm uh, Courtney, uh, a couple of things here. Question in the comments: uh, Why Bradenton? And I think that this is a, a, a conversation that the four of us can have. Scott, uh, Scott Malpass, you you know that he's coming. Scott's coming with bells on. Yeah, absolutely. But Bradenton is what I'm excited about. And we can talk about this a little bit with our next guest that's going to join us in just a few minutes, uh, a living legend in Tricky Ricky Smith. But I wanted this event to go down somewhere where there were no excuses. World class racing facility. Um, great geographical part of the country makes sense. Uh, easy to get to. Uh, great weather conditions. I didn't want there to be anything for someone to say. Oh, I can't make it. My car won't run at altitude or, oh, I don't run quarter mile. I think by going eighth mile and going to Bradenton, Florida, we have the barrier to entry is very low, right? There's no, re there's no excuse. There's no reason. There's no justification, in my opinion, for not coming and being a part of it if you have the opportunity to do so. Uh, you've seen the fan following and the community that exists around Bradenton yeah. a handful of times. You were at the Snowbirds. Um, like, what do you make? They've got a really intense local fan base as well. Agreed. They do, man. I even went, uh, last year for flow. I worked at the Florida no time race, um, with Troy Perez and all that. And I was, I was shocked. Like I'm not downplaying it by any means, but I don't follow it because I am too, I need numbers and it's confusing and I need to know that, but it's insane. Like they had, they had that place packed and Victor has, again, I'm going to get kudos at flow here, but he's created a tribe as well. And, you know, he's in charge of the, the front wheel drive stuff and, and getting those people out there to where they not only watch the racing, but if you go stand up in the grandstands, they're spewing dollar bills, they're talking, they have like clicks of people who are camping out in the beds of their truck. Like it's just a really, really cool community. And I think that another, another, perk of, of having it there is knowing that Victor, not only the track, the facility, the people, all the upgrades that he's made to accommodate and be able to hold what he's trying to build there. Just again, moving the needle and showing promise. And, and Victor's one of, one of my favorites across the country. So it's a no brainer. Yeah. We had, we've had meetings with Victor there. and he said, goal number one is to make sure that every customer is a repeat customer. We don't want anyone leaving this event disappointed in any any aspect of it. And so he's willing to make that investment from the things you do see, like the upgrades to the track to the things you don't see when it comes to staffing and concessions yep. and things like that. So it, it is cool to work with a guy like that. And it's just, I think it works both ways. Talking about the fan base, Victor has a lot of races down there. I mean, he's got three 
big pro mod races now and and you have to have a dedicated fan base to support that so i think it's a two-way street he knows that he takes care of his dedicated fan base and they're going to take care of him with this plethora of events that he has so it's, it's well, a really he's, cool he's deal a racer yeah. i think yeah. we're learning that through going on through as we do all of this stuff is it takes somebody who's either a racer or been a part of it on the backside, and you can't just have a bunch of suits making stuff happen this is racers sorry jackson wanted to say hi racers helping racers <laughs> I agree 100%. And I, Vic has done an incredible job with that place. She's fine. Um, I mean, again, I want to, I talked about this a little bit on Joe Costello's show, but what Victor has done, the investment, I mean, it is tough, right? Pouring all that concrete, a thousand feet of concrete, brand new aluminum grandstands. I mean, he's doing big things and that needs to be rewarded. And I also think Bradenton has this, it's like got a little bit of honky tonk to it. It's like this perfect mix size wise of like a national event facility, but it's also got that Saturday night drag mm -hmm. vibe where the smoke lingers a little bit and there's some power lines that are drooping a little bit. <laughs> I mean, and it's, you know, it's got that feel. And I personally think it's just a great fit for pro modified drag, the biggest pro mod drag race in the history of the known universe. It's almost great, has to have great wing place down the road too. Is there? Remember that? Yeah, we and ate. Sarasota is just a cool town, so yeah, I always we, stay there. What was that place? They had like their own beer steins. Yeah. The, the, oh, the you guys thought Victor, that was a great wing place? Victor told the us the wings there, were right? awesome. Really? You didn't eat wings. Wes didn't eat wings. He I eats adult chicken nuggets. Yeah. He eats adult chicken nuggets. <laughs> yeah, which aren't the same. <laughs> I ain't trying to take a bath after every meal. You know, you I'm taking a bath wings. in my meal. Yeah, you are. <laughs> JT's covered Wing in buffalo sauce. sauce looking yeah. at he's like, he's like the Joker. That's, that's cool. You know, I'm living good, baby. You know, I got, got a beer stein and look up my face is covered in buffalo a Shout sauce. out to whatever this restaurant is called. You actually leave your beer stein there. And you, you yeah. hang it, there's shelves on the wall, and you go put your beer stein up there. They wash it for you and all that, but and you have your own dedicated maybe. spot, maybe. But you maybe. show up, like JT shows up, and his beer stein's clean over there on the wall, and he goes and gets it and takes it up to the thing. And yeah, we saw somebody do that. Pretty cool. We're in. Like a, the, yeah, the, the, the membership concept. club, that's what you do. Yeah, that's wild. I do. Right, have, before you before you guys yeah, cut me loose real quick, I want to I want to hit on a few things and I didn't give you the opportunity to ask me, but um, I get a lot of feedback, all these shows that I'm doing and I read the comments and I read your emails and um, I am not flow racing customer service, but I am uh, an avenue to it. And I do want to say, as I as I preached before, that they have invested so hard in drag racing this year where they they've you know, just been afloat learning the industry and learning our little niche of motorsports is, is tough for people who don't do business in drag racing. But I can, I can say we are doing business in drag racing now. And a lot of things within the stream that are, we're working on new graphics, even pre-shows, um, having floating cameras to do the chip draw and things of that sort. Um, the world series of pro mod is going to be that next step of, of what flow racing can actually do inside the drag racing community. And that doesn't take away anything we're going to do at the U S street nationals this weekend, because we're, we're trying to step up every time that we do it. So, um, so you guys just, just keep an eye and watch those little things. And, and it just takes so much. I never knew how much it took to not only stream an event live um, in a place like this, but just to, to take this and make something live with so much downtime into an actual show and without spilling a bunch of beans, Wes, Mike, you guys know we are going to debut some really, really cool new stuff with the World Series of Pro Mod. So uh, that was my my little flow racing fluff there. 
Well, we I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you what kind of new stuff can we expect uh, during this event, but I, I didn't know if you wanted to tip your hat at all. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, we're we're working on obviously the the biggest struggle with drag racing is the downtime, right? We've got tractors on the ground. We're doing a lot of stuff where we're um, putting you y'all show on there. We're gonna put my show on there. Anything Victor does, if we're at a track of Victor's, we're gonna clip that, put it on there. Um, Jay Cox talked about Bradenton in the show last week, so I clipped that. That's gonna go. Step one was filling that. Now we're working on getting graphics on the screen, helping people know where we're at in the schedule, maybe even some ladders. Um, we're going to be doing some driver bios like a PDRA. I think we're going to be doing a little mock media day kind of thing so that there's, there's stuff to bring into um, making it like, like an actual show where you've got, you know, who's on the track. You don't have to, Oh, I missed what the announcer said. How do I know what's going on? What class is next? So uh, we, we do take feedback and all that stuff, but um, I'm a racer. I'm a consumer of this product. And so I think that was very important of who they put in this position because I know what I didn't like about it when I streamed it. Like I had issues with it. And um, obviously the circle of death, everybody talks about like we're, we're fighting environmental issues that you can't even imagine how difficult that is running cable, 1320 feet, that kind of stuff. But we're to the point now where we're, we're making those big moves and being able to, we're going to follow Wes around during the chip draw and, and have that, in your face action live um, coming at you so that you feel like you're, you're watching a show and you're there and not just sitting up on the scaffold um, watching the past. So a lot, a lot of good stuff to come and, and they are working hard and spending a lot of money. Well, thank you seriously on behalf of all of us here at Drag Illustrated and the World Series of Pro Mod. We appreciate you, uh, Courtney, and the whole team at Flow Racing. Guys, let's give it up. Courtney, thanks, Andrew, guys. Flow Racing, official partner of the World Series of Pro Mod. Thanks for being here. Thanks, thanks guys. Thanks, Tell Courtney. Ricky hi. I will. Guys, before we bring on our next guest, a, uh, a real living legend, someone I'm very excited to talk to, uh, who's uh, he, he deserves every accolade he gets, and I'm glad we're going to get to spend a little time with him. I do want to remind each and every one of you that every episode of The West Buck Show is made possible by way of our friends at Stroud Safety. Stroud Safety is known for their top-quality racing safety equipment, from drag chutes and seat belts to fire suits, gloves and blankets, all 100% made in America. Log on to StroudSafety.com and make sure you tell those guys we sent you. All right, it's time, friends. Um, buckle up. Buckle up. Here we go. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, we're nine minutes behind schedule. My apologies. Let's give it up for the man, the myth, the legend, Tricky Ricky Smith. Tricky Ricky. What's up, What's Ricky? Up, man, How Tricky. you doing, buddy? Oh, just watching y'all talk junk. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, nothing wrong with that. How's man, look your at all that hardware. Been? Yeah, look man. at all look the at hardware all back trophies. there, man. Having to show off with the backdrop here. Look at there that. you go. Yeah, look at all that. Yeah. Look at all that. Man, what did Ricky that's tell just us in the last seven eight years? <laughs> <laughs> He's probably got a warehouse full of the rest yeah, of it. Facebook full of trophy cases in my house and all of, you know. Hey, I'm proud of it. What I, what I say, I'm proud of. It. You should yep. be. Did you ever think 40 years ago that this would be the case, that you'd be, you'd still be at it? I, I, I told someone the other day, and they're like, oh, Ricky this, Ricky that. And I said, listen, how many people in the sport of drag racing have been doing it for a living for four decades? He's one of, like, one, right? I mean, you, you got to listen to what the man has to say. You'll probably learn something. I mean, did you ever think 40 years ago, Ricky, when you started out hot rodding, that this would be the case? Absolutely not. You know, I... I actually started 49 years ago, okay, racing East Bend or Farmington. And my whole goal was 
to outrun Mike Bowles. <laughs> I wanted to outrun that good old Charlotte Brown wagon. He was badass back then. And that's where I started. And, and I just kept, I, 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 in high school, I, I, I didn't like getting beat and wrestling or football. I, I was athlete of the year, my senior year, and just stuff like that. I don't like to lose. And uh, it just kept escalating. And the next thing I know, I got some sponsorship. And then I get Ford involved with me. And this thing just rolled on, you know, and I had no idea. This year, actually, coming up west will be my 41st year of doing it for a living. I mean, you know, you take, I'm not down anybody. I mean, really, and I'm not no, I'm way out of the ballpark from John Forrest. Okay, let's get that straight to start with. But other than John Forrest, I don't know any, the snake didn't do it 40 years. I mean, you name all these people out there, they didn't do it 40 years. I've been blessed by God to do this for 40 years and do it for a living. I don't have another sponsor behind me. So I've had some really good relationships and that's what I'm on right now. I'm on a relationship from 1988 and 89 with Parkway Ford and stuff. That's the reason I'm capable of racing right now because of relationships through my major sponsorships I've had over the years. And it's just, it's just unreal right now. <laughs> it's, I'm excited about coming racing down there, you know, and, uh, I've been trying to help Scott Palmer some fix his old car up, you know, and stuff. And, and I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to help people. How, like how what do you point to as far as what has been the driving force? I mean, uh, it's you. I mean, it's your, you said it in high school, you didn't like to lose. You wanted to win. But is there anything that you can point to? Is it good people? Is it faith? I mean, because there, there's had to be some things like beyond your control that have fallen into place over nearly 50 years. I mean, that's incredible. 41 years of drag racing for a living, Ricky. I mean, it's almost weird to say that out loud. I mean, is there anything that you could tell a young guy that's trying to be the next Ricky Smith? Well, you know, first of all, I've been married 50 years. That's the backbone to me. And I think everybody knows that, but, you know, it's hell you know, talk about this stuff and not get emotional, Wes, because, you know, it comes from here. I worked hard to get where I got. I was a bulldozer driver before I started this stuff. And, uh, you know, when you when you really work at this stuff and, and, and it comes from hard work, it's hard not to break down. I mean, I watch people now and they laugh about me over the years about getting emotional in my stuff. But I see Todd Terra the other night. I go to his banquet thing, and he gets emotional. And I'm sitting there kind of, I'm almost laughing at myself. But I said, man, you people now are seeing what I went through up until now and 40 years ago when I was winning, how much you really appreciate it if you work for it. And if you don't work for it and it's given to you, you probably don't get emotional. But when you work for it, like some of us have, and Tedero and a bunch of other people, man, you, 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 it's hard not to get emotional because you know how far, how hard you worked at. And, you know, I've had good people. I, it's all about surrounding yourself with the right people. And like I say, to start with, my wife. Second is, I got uh, Ronnie Wilson, a guy that worked with me for nine years, I think, he come on board and he didn't know a spark plug from a broom house. And he'd tell you that. <laughs> he was just sweeping floors. And he finally, when he quit me, went to work with Charlie. And then he went to work. He's still at work at uh, Hendricks Motorsports down there, the, the round track. Wow. But 
Then I surrounded myself with Charlie Buck. I moved Charlie from Virginia, from Sonny Leonard's to my shop, built a complete, I didn't have a piece of machinery at all. I just had a shop to put my cars in. I built onto that shop, built a complete machine shop, dyno everything, and brought Charlie in to run the thing. And we built our own engines for, I don't know, eight years, won a lot of championships, you know, doing our own engine work, you know. And then we kind of got down on some sponsorship in the mid-90s, and I kept crew chief and kept my stuff. And Charlie went on, and you see where Charlie is now. Charlie went on to his his deal, you know, and his business. And, you know, me and Charlie talk about it, and I think I don't know what Charlie would be where, and I'm not taking credit for what he's done at his business, but I sparked a light in Charlie that made him realize he could leave somewhere and be successful. And when I brought him from Sonny and showed him how successful we could get, then he took that and started his own business. So I'm a little bit of credit, I think, for him to get you, you're the catalyst. It yeah. has to happen. Somebody so has to do I have, that, I have people in him. my life. If I yeah. hadn't done that for him back in, he probably wouldn't have had the, the courage to go make this next big step, you know? And and then I had his brother, and then and then I had a couple other guys, and a lot of local guys helped me, you know, back in the day. But then Chad come along, and me and Chad's been together for 13 years, and he's moving back home. And I don't think I'm gonna have him next year, you know. I don't know 100%, so I've got to work another deal. I got to work another magic trick to get through next year. We should start an online petition, everybody, for Chad uh, to stick it out. We we need we need a we need a couple months for our, for our old boy Ricky. Everybody oh, needs a Chad I, Hester. We we all know, and for those that don't know, and Ricky, I'd love for you to kind of back me up on this encourage these young folks out there, teach them things, show them how to do things because the scare, perhaps the most scarce resource that exists in our sport right now, it, it ain't parts. It's not, it ain't race fuel. It's good help. And we, we, we need more of them. You've, we've got living legends like Ricky Smith here looking for help, you know, so hopefully Chad will stick it out for a couple more seasons, but do you agree that we got to get some more young folks in here? Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, I, like I say, I've asked Chad for 10 weeks. That's all I want him to do, 10 weeks. And I've offered him really, really good money to work 10 weeks for me. That's the 10 races I'm going to run. Eight PDRLs, two NHRAs. You know, just just give me that. I kind of asked him as a I, – I, I actually told him when we talked a couple weeks ago, Chad, I'm not asking you as an employer. I'm asking you as a friend to give me 10 weeks of your time out of, 40, out of 52 weeks, you know. And we're supposed to talk again tomorrow, and I hope he can. I mean, he's – he has surgery on his elbow and his, his health a little bit down, you know, and stuff like that, you know. And so we'll just see, you know, either way, <laughs> like I told Chad, I love it. He's, he's kin, you know, kind of, I mean, I took him in his family and uh, it's just been a, it ain't been a working relationship. It's been a friendship between me and Chad. So I don't know. I hope he stays, but if he don't, I can't stop. I've never stopped. I'm not going to stop. And I've told Russell Miller this. I told you I'd race. I already took some money from you. We're going to race. I said, you know, you might have to send Tyler up here and drive the motor on because we had to carry two trailers. We can't carry all the parts in one trailer when we run two cars. I said, you may have to send Tyler up here and drive the motor on the other trailer, but we're going to race. Trust me. <laughs> and, and we are. And, and, and Russell's kind of like me. He's a go-getter. Russell didn't get what he man by, by not being a go-getter. So, we're going to do what it takes to race next year, you know, and, and uh, 
cut back and run from running all over the country. And Russell want to run PDL, PDRA because it's more local for him. They can get away from the company and go run them races, you know. So that's been a good deal. You know, it, it won't, the travel time won't be as much. So, uh, is that exciting to you? I mean, all the success you've had in NHRA and I don't, you know, this is, people have to recognize that NHRA is drag racing's major leagues, no matter how you feel about it, no matter what you want to, what stone you want to throw, they are the big leagues. Um, and I'm just curious, like, is it kind of nice for you? You've, you've done all that you could possibly want to do perhaps, you know, in the NHRA, you're the winningest NHRA pro mod driver of all time. Uh, incredible level of success. Is it kind of nice to maybe do something that's going to be a little less parking on Monday and dealing with all the, the bureaucracy and the politics of NHRA? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. Like you say, I loved IHRA days. The, you know, I loved the NHRA stuff. I run over a lot. I've supported NHRA for 15, 18 years, you know, and, 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 uh, Wes, I, I mean, I'm out of the, the bull crap and do what they want to with the rules. I've been a nitrous car supporting them from day one. I'm tired of running from behind. I've told them that and, and I'm not going, I'm just not going to do it no more. Not all year. I mean, I want to be competitive and, the, the PDL thing is going to be a tough nut for me because I'm a little bit heavy. I'm going to probably give up 25 pounds to some of them guys, 20 pounds, you know, and that's, that's a good hundred, hundred and a half. And, uh, but I've tested and, and uh, I really wish that, you know, if Chad hadn't kind of got down and all, you know, I'd have tested another time or two. I'd probably be down there this weekend at that U.S. Street Nationals running just to get ready for your race. But I don't have no help right now, so I'm just – you don't know how hard it is me to sit here and not race. Hey, I'm, Ricky, me and, me and Wes will jump I in there. I was just getting ready to say, <laughs> I guess if you want to go, let, I mean, get that shit in the trailer. You ain't uh, got a clue how hard it is me to sit uh, here this week and not go that down there and try to use it as a test session leading up to your race on the same racetrack. But uh, I can't, so I'm just, I'm just biting my tongue and going to get ready and do the best I can. But I've always – you know, I won championships in NHRA. I won a bunch in IHRA. I won the PDL championship in 2015. The only time I've ever run all year with them. I won the championship that year. First time I ever run automatic in my car. I'm always a clutch guy. And uh, I'm looking forward to going back over and running them guys. They're badass racers. Don't don't think it ain't nobody in PDL a badass racer. They're just as good a drivers as, as NHRA. It's just they don't have that budget to go over and run NHRA, you know. It ain't nothing about the quality of people. The drivers is over there, and and they're running them cars harder than we run them in NHRA. So, Ricky, speaking you know, of speaking of badasses and and the the people you've raced over your career, I've always wondered who who are some of the toughest competitors that you race. Whether that's back in the IHRA days, NHRA, PDRA, everything that you've done. Let's just talk specifically about Pro Mod. Who did you not want to see lined up next to you? Good question. Well, the first thing I had to do is give credit to when I started, and and, and I know we're going to talk uh, pro modified, but the two baddest men's I ever raced in where it was Warren Johnson and Bob Glidden, hands down. They they worked on their own shit. They knew what their stuff was doing. Nobody made the calls for them. They made their own calls. They drove their own truck, and and they were bad. I mean, they were hard to beat, especially with a low budget like I was. I mean, they've been great. They've been, they were my leaders, you know, but when you talk about pro modified, 
golly, you know, man. Because you've really raced against everyone that, well, all the big names that have been I out there. You're you're one of the few that's been out there through all these different eras and raced yeah. against some of the legends and some of the guys, the newcomers that are out there now. So who's who's tough? I mean, maybe maybe just from a, a driver standpoint or tuning or consistency. Who who do you, especially on race day when you're getting down in the later rounds, who do you who do you you know not want to see? Because most people don't want to see you. Over there, yeah, in I know that. I'm telling that's, you, I know so many people. That's most oh people's answer. If we we're asking anybody else, is they don't want to see you. So who who do you really not want to see over there? You know, back you know in the middle of this deal, you know I had to say Troy Coughlin back in. Okay, Troy was bad. He was good with that damn turbo car, even though it was fast. Troy was not a guy that was going to give races away. He didn't do a lot of red light, you know, and that's what I don't do. And I knew when I go up there. Unless I could trick Troy into doing a staging battle with me, and I get that damn old transmission so hot in that thing, it, it'd slow down about a thousand foot, and I'd just drive on out. <laughs> and he'd do it every now and then because me and him just, we had good times, you know, and I'd get that thing so hot it'd be on fire when it got to the other end. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I used to talk about over there. I'd, I called it a snowball, and I was talking about the transmission. But I said, I'm going to burn that snowball down. All right. You know, that's what I was talking about. And every now and then he'd fall for it. And he'd go up there and do that staging line battle. And I'd just grinning like hell because I knew when I got that transmission hot in that turbo car, he was done. <laughs> so Troy was tough. Troy was tough. He 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 didn't make a lot of mistakes, you know. And then and I say in the era now, what I call the last four or five years, uh Man, oh man, that's a hard question because there's, there's so many that is good, you know. Yeah. Some good Do you think that that's one of the things that's changed the most? Because I remember, like, when I first started going or like really paying attention to all the NHRA Pro Mod stuff specifically, and this would have been, I don't know, like in 2000, mid 2000s, right? 2006, seven, eight. I'm really focused on it, paying attention, going to a lot of the races. We're getting the magazine off the ground. We've went from a time when. I mean, what, there was only a handful of cars that would make a full pull back then, right? right? I mean, it was shaking tires and taking out cones and tearing stuff up. Now, in this day and age, everybody's stuff's going to the stripe under power. Right. I mean, it. don't you think that's one of the biggest differences is just pro technology, racing that's technology as a whole and, and automatic transmissions, all that right. stuff. Right. Yeah. My whole deal through my career was going up and down racetrack, being consistent. I wasn't always the fastest car, but I was going up and down, and that's where I won a lot of my races and championships. And now you got a lot of these cars that a lot of them got traction control on them. You know, I wish that was all outlawed like crazy. I wish I I, I wish there was no traction control. The guy had to make his own car. That's what I hate about the thing, you know. But it is, and what it is, it is, you know. But uh, you know, getting back to it, I, I still I would have to say because he don't make mistakes either much, you know, and stuff. I would have to say Stevie is probably somebody. And you'd have to throw Todd Tetero in there if Todd run NHRA all the time. But Todd don't run over. So I got to talk about the people that I run in the last seven, eight years when you asked me that question. And I've been running NHRA. So in that bracket, I got to say Stevie was the, was the man to beat and, and consistent. And, and, you know, he didn't make stupid mistakes, you know, and Stevie was, you know, when you went up there that, that I had to go the other end and, and me and him's had some good races and, you know, we've had some good times. We, 
we had some good talks over in Bahrain, uh, Qatar. We went over there in Bahrain and all that stuff, you know. Uh, we're going to talk our junk, you know, and all. But we, I think I respect him, and I think he respects me. Yeah. What do you make? Do you think we'll ever see like NHRA just talking specifically about NHRA and quarter mile racing today? I've had a dozen questions, it seems, about why we chose to do eighth mile for the World Series of Pro Mod. And I'm just curious, do you think that there's can that deal be tightened up in the NHRA? Can they make is it or or do we got to slow the whole thing down a little bit? Because my my opinion is that all of it's gotten too fast. But do you think quarter mile racing Brett Kepner? asked me that yesterday or we were texting and he said he talked to you on Sunday and that like maybe there may not, I don't know what the answer is for quarter mile. Right. You know, the, I don't see a problem having us pretty competitive in quarter mile and, and quarter mile can be fine. Like you say, it's not going to hurt to slow us down a few hundreds. Okay. And a couple of mile now that's a fat guy sitting in the stands, watches a car run five sixty. 68 let's say hell of a run for nhr and a guy run goes over and runs 573 i if I, sitting in the stands if i can tell you the difference between them two cars 500s bullshit <laughs> they ain't happening so a guy sitting in the stands well that car runs 568 or runs 573 as long as you got two cars going down through there within four or five feet of each other it don't matter you know it don't matter. We're all going to run 250 or something. So that's big numbers. These cars don't need to be out there running 260. So, you know, this this deal, and, and, and I don't know what the deal is over there. I mean, got my ideas, and that's my ideas, and I keep my mouth shut about it. But, you know, you can have these power editors running within two hundredths of each other most of the time if they just do right. But – for whatever reason, they don't, you know, and that's the reason I decided I've had enough. When I went this year, and and Stevie Jackson has said this in a meeting, and he's got to tell you the truth when if you've talked to you, tell you the truth. He said this in a meeting. When it comes Indy, Norwalk, time right in there, when it's 90 degrees outside and the weather's 110, 120 grams of water, that nitrous car should be able to qualify number one. I don't care if it ain't but a hundred, five thousandths, or something. It should be able to qualify number one. Well, when we get in that kind of hour, I'm still two hundred down. I'm still two hundred down. So how am I going to run with them guys when we get back at the first two or three races a year, or get into the end of the two or three races a year? They outrun me four or five hundred. So give me a chance, or a nitrous car a chance to go blow his horn and be happy as hell to go. They wore. Chat out more than me because you're not going to wear me out too far, far unless you knock me out. But they have wore Chad out from us testing and me trying to get him excited about going and testing because it don't matter what we do. Within 48 hours, they've always knocked me down. Period. It's out there. I'm not telling no lie. It's on record. Y'all know that. They've knocked me down within 48 hours of every time I run good two races in a row. Period. And they let the blower cars run for all year long, outrunning me. You know, just treat the nitrous car with a little respect. You know, whether it's me or somebody else. And it, you got to talk about me because I'm the only one to support it for 12 years like that. So, and I think, I mean, and you, you've got a extremely strong fan base, Ricky. And I, I, I'm curious your perspective on this. Nitrous cars are an important part of this 
the, what the magic of pro mod if this, if this becomes all screw blown door cars <laughs> i mean we may as well go top alcohol funny car racing That's right exactly what i talked to you about when we talked i said wes this is something that you need to think about and all you people like tommy franklin or nhra or whatever putting on these races and i'm not bad man i started off in sportsman racing okay so i'm not bad mouthing uh <laughs> I'm unplug that thing. Okay. I'm not an alcohol funny cars, okay? But if you put on a show like this right now with alcohol funny car deal, you ain't piling no fans in there. You ain't piling no place in there. You're not going to do with that what you're doing with Pro Modified, okay? So if you just have all blower cars, this thing just turns, when I say blower cars, I'm talking about turbo, pro charger, screw charger, roots blower. When I say blower, I'm talking about all those combinations, okay? If you just had blower cars only in another two years, what's the deal? All you got is an alcohol funny car out there with doors on it. That yeah. nitrous car still makes that mix. It still makes that mix-up. And if you don't have that mix-up, I think you're going to hurt this class two years down the road and, and father. Do you, you think get, the eighth mile helps with that, Ricky? Up. Do you think the eighth mile is a little bit of an equalizer with the, between all these combos? It is, but you can still you can still make it just like quarter mile. You can still make it competitive. The pro charger are going and the blower cars are going to outrun us basically two hundreds and sixty foot. One and a half to two. Okay. I don't care if it's NHRA or PDRA. If you go look, the blower cars are going to outrun the nitrous cars one and a half to two hundreds and sixty on average. So then the nitrous car gets to run a little better speed, so he runs a hundred better in the back half. So now you've kind of made oh who makes the best call between sixty foot and a thousand foot, you end up kind of close to even, and the nitrous car gets to make his sixty foot run the last two hundred feet, where you you know to catch back up, and that's all. It, it's simple math to figure this out. That's what's not so 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 not so hard to figure out here, guys. You know, you gotta let one car run a little faster down on the other end because he's he's slower here. And it's simple to do, but you've got to figure the weather involved. Okay. So in the middle of the summer, you've got four or five races. It's really hot. That's when a nitrous car should be able to shine a little bit. I'm not asking for 200. I'm not asking for 300. I'm just asking to be right there. If I make a good run like I have before and be number one qualifier by a hundred or 5,000, that's all. And knowing when we get into good weather, they still going to outrun me two or three hundreds. Okay. I can live with that. But give me, give the nitrous car three or four races to go shine at. And then it all depends on who can put the best program together all year long. And that's the way it should be. It's easy to fix, but I don't, they can't fix it. it but it's, it seems like a problem that's been going on forever. Cause I, I remember this same thing happening in the IHRA days. And I think that that's kind of what ran everybody off and what allowed the ADRL well, to start up and start running eighth mile nitrous separated from blowers. And because IHRA was unwilling to let the nitrous cars run out front or make a rule change to bring the blowers back to where the nitrous cars were, which is kind of what we're trying to do with our race, Ricky, to be honest right. with you. We're obviously big nitrous advocates and we, we feel that everything could slow down a couple of numbers and still put on a good show because it's not about the numbers. We cars want racers want to make good runs. The fans want to see, 
impressive numbers, but at the same time, they want to see good racing, like you right. said, and, and that's what we want. That's what we're trying to do with this race. And that's to me, what has been lost. That's kind of a lost art in drag racing these days. That's exactly what I'm the IHRA. Yeah. That, the dead proof is IHRA. Yeah. When they fixed a nitrous car where it couldn't run and be competitive and depended their program on the blower car, what happened to it? It went away. They couldn't get 16 cars to show up. They couldn't hardly get eight cars to show up. NIHRA days. So that's what I'm saying. If you don't be careful, you know, everybody just don't want to see a blow car run. You got people want to see a nitrous car run, you know, so it, it gives you the yeah, story. You got to have the mix of it. Keep you got to have the storyline. Like for us in the media and on the promotion side of things, it, it, you know, I use pro wrestling examples and analogies all the time, but it's, it's your black hats and your white hats. I mean, it, it's a way for people to latch on to something to, 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 pick sides if you will and a lot of times you know some of you some of the racers that we have we're blessed we've got a great racer base like specifically for the world series of pro mod people that are willing to kind of say what they think guys like you jay cox stevie jackson the list goes on but when you have some of these guys that don't have that aren't super outspoken that are a little quiet you can still let them kind of lump in with a group you know you got your nitrous guys your turbo guys your blower guys it's really important i mean look at nhra pro stock as healthy as that class is right now, it is a little tough and challenging promotion-wise because it's basically red team versus blue team. You know what I mean? There's all the elite cars and all the KB cars. And what I like about ProMod is we've got all these independent teams. we got multi-car teams, but there's a lot of different ways to skin the cat. You know right. what I mean? And that's what's important about it. And if we let that go away, especially if we do it just to set world records. Like I've, cause I've had a lot of people go, why are you putting weight on everybody? Well, cause all this shit's too fast. We need to slow it down because we want to be doing this 10 years from now. Right. And I think that mid three sixties, as crazy as this is to say out loud, I mean, it's insane, but that is a manageable performance. Right. There's a lot of people that can run that number and you can do it without having to run the rods out of your shit. And you know what I mean? And that's important right. too. Cause not everybody, I mean, guys like you don't even have a crew guy right now. And a lot of these people are running on volunteer, you know, volunteer crews, right. limited budgets. I mean, we can't build this thing. You can't I've keep bringing a, them volunteer crew and expect them no. to pull them heads off and pan off two or three <laughs> times a day. That volunteer crew is going to say, screw you. Yeah. I'm they ain't volunteering off. no more after that. One yeah. and done. <laughs> right. So, I remember everybody that's ever went racing with my dad, I always laugh. I'll be like, hey, is uh, Joe Bob coming with us racing this way? No, he's never coming again. He said he, he didn't want to work that. He ne he's never coming again. Then wait, we get Gary. Oh, Gary's going to come help us this weekend. He goes one race, never see him again. Right. He stops buying gas at my dad's shop because he doesn't want to have to see us. You know what I mean? It's like, well, I'm never going drag. This is hard. And you're right. I mean, you got to have the right people. Um, but I also think we got to know – ProMod goes through a little bit of like an identity crisis sometimes. Danny Rowe used to say this to me all the time. I would be bitching and moaning. Uh, and this is when Danny was running the Real ProMod Association. And I think Danny did the Lord. He did a lot of good for this class. And I think the class misses a guy like Danny right Absolutely. now. But Danny would always tell, I would be bitching and moaning about how NHRA needs to put ProMod on TV. Blah, blah, blah. We need to do... You know, we need to, I was saying, we need to be on the stage. We need to race for a Wally, blah, blah, blah. And he'd always say, Wes, be careful what you wish for, because that's a double-edged sword. Right. He goes, because the moment we get on TV, the moment we're racing for a Wally, the moment the money gets right, all of these, pro, you know, that's when the Alanabis show up and all these big money guys that'll run all of us 
you know, that are spending good money. Right. You know what I mean? But we don't want to do that. It'll run all of us off. And he goes, it'll guys like me, you know what I mean? Who want to race 10, 10 times a year or whatever. We're screwed, you know, because he was right. Pro Modified started out as the good old boys. Yeah. Just a bunch of rednecks running stupid fast cars, running them all over the track and wrecking them. Okay. <laughs> That's what brought this thing to where it's at now. <laughs> and when you get so much sophisticated in there and so much money in there and you get these cars where they don't go all over the track and they ain't doing some crazy stuff, it's it, it's it, it's going to take away from it. I hate to say it. I don't want to wreck my car at all. But – when you get all these cars on traction control and all this shit, and they're making, they're just going up down the racetrack every run. Now, what you got? You got a pro Amen. stock. Amen. That's what we we preach that stock. all the time. That's all you that, got. You got yeah. a fast pro stock car. So I mean, that ain't that ain't what pro modifieds about, and that's the reason I just wish that the traction control thing would really figure out some way to make it go away and, and make everybody make their own calls. You know, how how prevalent is traction control in like the average run? Of a top tier on a blower pro car, car, probably on a blower car, I bet you seventy percent of them run it. And are they leaning on it? Like, is it hitting? You know, whatever they want to say, is it riding the dots, or is it is yeah, it on a wheel speed not, map? You know, so it's on a wheel speed map, or right, so or drive shaft speed well, map. It's on no, it's on a motor map. What the two they, right? They, that profiler they, deal. How fast they want that motor to run up to accelerate, there, and the motor has to follow them dots once they get up. So uh, is like if you go to a if we go to a PDRA race next week and first round of qualifying, are all the cars riding the dots? I'm gonna say fifty percent of the blower cars will be riding the dots. Yeah, there's not a nitrous car I think can ride the dots. We don't have that luxury of that extra horsepower to ride nitrous. the dots. You know, but fifty percent of the nitrous cars. I mean, ball cars will be riding the dots down there. Yeah, it's interesting, especially, especially the uh, pro chargers, especially the pro chargers. That's that's where the dots are run the most. Tetero stuff don't run the dots. I can tell you that. Todd makes his calls for all you know them cars. They don't run the dots. Well, it's is it? I, I used to have. Um, I think it was Shannon Davis and I would always talk about it. That that owns Davis Technologies, and there's a handful of other guys that. I mean, do you, you, no, don't, got, you don't? You're not going to make your no. best. You're not going to make your best run, riding the traction control, right? right? Right. You're not. Just like I said, with a nitrous car, we're trying to do all we can. You're not. But when you got a lot of power, or not a lot, but you got pretty good power to spare, then you can ride the dot. We say that all the time that nitrous cars are at their mechanical limit and they've got to make their best run or <laughs> and, and use everything they've got to compete. Whereas these other, the boosted categories have got so much excess horsepower, they have to be electronically limited. And it's just a whole different ball game between those two things. And Most people, thing, I don't think, realize that. Here's the thing that I don't understand. You're, you're not supposed to, it's NHRA, PDRA, whatever, these outlaws, you do what you want. Okay. But in NHRA, you're not supposed to be allowed to run a closed loop. And what I call is let the motor self uh, fuel itself. 80% of them cars over there have uh, O2s on them. 80% of them are running off of the deal. Now, they may not run it all the time, but they go in there and let's say we leave here and go to Vegas right quick. They'll go out there maybe to run it to it and run it on that deal and figure out where 
the O2s and where, what's going on, see where it's putting fuel in, taking fuel out. Then they may do away with it. But that's so they go out there out. and run an open loop where the computer is adjusting to maintain a target yeah. air fuel ratio. And then once they've got it established, right? Yeah. You yeah. shouldn't be able to do that. I never, right. I've never, I've run O2s at two races in 17 and I took them off because I said, this is bullshit. I ain't running this mess. I'm an old school. I look at the plug, I read the plug, and that's the way I tune my car. I take them apart. When I take them apart, I look at the bearings and I look at the pistons. I see which holes is finicky, which holes ain't. I look at all that. I do my tune up by looking at stuff, you know, and doing it that way. I absolutely do not run O2s. And everybody said, well, why do you run EGTs? I said, well, pretty ironic. You asked that question. You must not know too much about what you're doing. That's the way I say it. I mean, I look at myself and think that. I try not to embarrass the guy, but I'm just telling you. I look at it and say, well, there's another guy opened his mouth and he shouldn't have said nothing. <laughs> but what that is, the reason I run O2s, when you're running for a championship or you're running every round counts, you go out there all of a sudden and the car starts missing. Which hole was missing? I don't know. So I got to change everything. Well, if you go out there and you know which hole's missing, you come back and you check the spark plug wire, you check that plug, you check, and you find it. 95% of the time, you find it right quick. That's the only reason I run EGTs is to tell me if this car has a miss, which hole is misfired. Now I can go look for something right quick and find it. Is it the plug wire? Is it the ignition box? You know, first thing I do is find the hole, then I'll go check the plug wire. If that ain't bad, I look at the plug. You know, if that ain't bad, then I start changing other stuff, you know, but at least it gives you somewhere to look at. It ain't the toggle switch up here, you know, doing it. It's just this hole all the time. It ain't all the holes. It's one hole doing it. So I got to go fix that one hole. At least narrows the stuff down where you can kind of fix it right quick for the next round. That's the reason I run EGTs. And anybody else that kind of knows what's happening should, you know, that's the reason you run them. You don't really tune your car off of them. You just run it to find that miss if you have it. One of the reasons we brought you on here, and I, I don't want to cut you loose without getting a chance to talk about it. Um, Marco Phil home in the comments is asking, what's EG exhaust gas temperature, EGT, that's what it stands for. He's asking what it stands for. But um, almost all these guys run them on every high level race car. I would, you'd be surprised if it's got a race pack, not always, but most of the time it's going right. to have EGT. Um, but anyways, one of the things we brought you on here to talk about of all the people we could have got you to run, and I threw some ideas your way. We're going to get Ricky Smith versus Todd Tuttero, Ricky Smith versus Jason Scruggs. We're going to get Ricky Smith versus, you know, Ricky, Stevie Jack. We had all these matchups, but you came to me, and I think this is really cool. And you said, Hey, Wes, there's a lot of guys that I could run any weekend, but there's one guy that I may never have a chance to run, and that was Scott Palmer. Take me through this, and I know you and him have kind of made fast friends. You've been helping him a little bit, but uh, I mean, I'm genuinely excited. This feels like a we couldn't make this shit up, right? We're going to have a living legend, pro mod great, perhaps the all-time greatest, racing the people's champ himself, Scott Palmer, under the lights, Friday night at Bradenton Motorsports Park. How'd this come to be, buddy? Well, like I say, I got to know him the last year or two in HRE. Chad went down and hung out with him, you know, at night and stuff. And then I got to going by there, and me and Scott got to talking and, and just found out he's, he's kind of on my level, you know. And uh, we were just, I was helping him with his car, you know, getting stuff done and stuff like that, you know, and we were just talking about stuff. And, and you know, I got to thinking, like I told you, 
I can go run Jay Cox. I can go run Todd Tetero. I can run Jason Scrubs. I can run any of these guys about any time I want to run. Just go where, go where the racetrack is and go run them if I want to run them. But I can't just go to NHRA and tell them, hey, I want to run Scott Palmer this round. Well, that ain't happening. Or somebody, you know, if it had been somebody. So this is awesome that I'm going to get to run somebody like Scott, a top field driver, a good driver, and I'm going to get to go run him down our Friday night. We're going to get to race each other, you know. And it's a little bragging right one thing or another. You know, I hadn't – I've tested some, like I said. I hope people out here that going off of what Ricky Smith done when he come to PDRL last two or three years, okay, well, if I got anything to say about it, I know I've lost some of my good help, you know, as far as being able to test and find out more. But when I'm going to run your sanctioned body only, I'm going to get serious about it, and I'm going to run a little better. I ain't going to be no duck over there. I ain't going to be no duck. I may not pull the heads off every round and tear this stuff up, but I'm coming back to run for a championship. Okay. And I ain't going to be no duck. That's all I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I love it. I'm just, I'm oh, just love it. That's the same thing. I'm sure that thing. And I may go down there and not run good at your race, you know, but I've tested some, I've got a little faster. Uh, the biggest thing it might hurt me down there is I don't run a, that quite a glued up racetrack. I, I got to learn that a little better. Okay. And I just pray that they don't just get that racetrack. Like it's a, Street radio track, you know. I mean, it won't be. No, we've got the best, one of the best track prep guys in the world, in my opinion, Wade Rich. And I've, I've made it clear that we've got a. I want the a, a raceable racing surface, you know, because one of the other things is, you know, we're going to be running Mountain Motor Pro Stock cars that are clutch right. cars that that cannot run on those type of tracks, and we can't be in a situation because you know I'm a showman. I got to put on a show, and I don't want to be. I've told my guys, if I hear squalling tires for too long, I'm going to be pissed because I don't want a tractor running up and down the racetrack. Right. We got shows. We got a show to put on. We got fans to entertain. So we can't spend tons of time prepping the track. I think that there is a there's a threshold there, Ricky. And I, I think you support me that the track needs to be good. It needs to be right. really good. But we don't need to spend hours and hours no. spraying and dragging. It and after it spraying and spraying, I don't mind running rotator up and down through there two or three times right quick on each side that livens it up okay yeah. that ain't that ain't they don't take long but when you just keep spraying and spraying and spraying you get that so much glue on there so thick that's the reason that and i gotta say one thing nhra the last three years for daytime racing hands down has the best racetrack hands down and, and the reason is they don't pile all that glue on there when it gets hot because you go piling all that glue on there and the sun hits that track at 120 degrees, that glue just gets fucking gooey as hell. You can't do much with it. They keep a track kind of tight and not gooey and not so much glue. And, and if you know how to race, you can race that track. But when you get a track up there and you go up there and it's pulling your shoes off and it's gooey, what do you do? How do you read that damn thing? You know, I mean, so that's reading in PDL. You have it, so you see the fast cars over there struggle during the day. You know, half of them won't go down the racetrack during the day because they, they it's just too much glue. You know, if they'll just back off of that a little bit and run the rotator more and let the track come to, the, you know, during the day and then at nighttime, it's going to tighten up anyway. Maybe right. hit it a little bit for the, 
Or I was just going to say, go do a high-speed glue or spray it a, a yeah. little bit, but it don't take much. Don't but you kind of got to have some patience, right, and, and let it let it work through the day. I, I agree wholeheartedly, and that's one of the reasons we don't have a ton of cars coming down to this deal, and we don't have a gazillion different classes because we want to – you know, one thing for me, I want to be done at a good time. You know, I want people, I don't want to, I want to be racing in front of fans. I don't want, you know, people going home and we're still running, you know, that we're still halfway through one of the rounds. I want to be I done at a reasonable your show time. Down there, you bring it, this show is pro modified. It's really not pro stock. It's, it's really nothing not else. Front drive wheel cards. It's not radio. Your show, this is a pro mod show. So prepare that track for big tire cars. Not street radios, not because if you pair it for us where it ain't too crazy, then the pro stock guys are going to be okay too. Absolutely. If you go getting that thing crazy for a street radio or a front run or tire car, you're going to screw both of us up, the pro mods and the pro stock car. And that's, we're not having any radio cars on the property for that reason. Right. You know, for, for me personally, I just didn't want. For, this is a. I've, I'm going to get in trouble for this, but like race cars have big tires and wheelie bars. Like that's just the way the world is supposed to be. That's how God wants it. And that, and this race is built for that. I'm curious, having done all this, like, is it exciting for you? Um, and we won't keep you too much longer, Ricky. I surely appreciate your time. Hell, I'm buddy. enjoying this. I'm having but fun. Is it exciting to see ProMod as the show? Because that's what I'm here for. I, I'm the biggest ProModified fan in the world, and I believe guys like you deserve to rate to be the show not play second fiddle to anybody else not play second fiddle to top fuel or funny car or pro stock that's not that you are world series of pro mod is about pro mod it's about ricky smith and jay cox and jim halsey and tommy franklin and jason scruggs and frankie taylor you guys deserve a moment in the sun and I, I hope you're i hope you're experiencing that to some extent oh absolutely that's what this is like you say it's about and and uh if we wouldn't such uh if Pro Modified wasn't so badass, why you got people like, and I'm not bad now, I mean, anybody, you, you know, Scott Palmer's just tickled to death coming around with us. Uh, Alex Lawford. Antron Brown. Antron Brown wants to get a car and come around. You, you got a lot of fuel guys that want to come and get some of his glory. But really, we don't get to go get their glory in NHRA, so they shouldn't come and get our glory, you know, in a way, you know. So, you know, it's it's good. You know, Scott's you know gonna do the best he can. He's not got a lot of money behind him. So, but you and I'm not bad mouthing anybody here now. I know Antron likes me, and he bragged on me, and a lot of them other guys over I'm good friends with in the fuel pits and all. But you let that money come in here, and it'll kill all of us. Agreed. They'll bring some tuners and cars in here that <laughs> that's gonna hurt the people that's really promoted pro modified for the last 15 years. You know, and, and but you know. I, it's it's great. I, I'm enjoying this crap out of this thing right now, watching stuff. And you see, old people can still draw some people. Because when you started that deal, and still right now, I've got the most likes on your deal. Over, you know, I've got 2.3 or whatever it is. And Scott, he's the next oldest in the province, and he's got 1.6. So me and him's kind of got most of the likes, you know. So that tells me that us old folks still got some people watching us, you know, <laughs> and, that, and that's what makes it exciting about me to see that Wes, to know that my career has not been a failure. You know, I'm seeing this and I'm really appreciating the people that to hit that like button when you chose me, invited me to come. It blew my mind. I know it did you. 
man, I was just racking the numbers up. I mean, that thing, the first four hours just went nuts, you know? And then Scott kind of done the same thing. So when you start beating people like Stevie and Lyle and some of them people on these likes, it's pretty impressive. I agree. I told you that I, I told you you're going to be surprised. And, and for me, it's been exciting because I've had a lot of racers reach out to me and say, man, I've gotten more publicity just by accepting an invite to your race <laughs> than I have the last two or three years of racing these other deals. Right. And I said, well, that's what we're here for. Like, that's what I want to create, right, is an environment where I want you to be able to go sell a sponsorship just to run the World Series of Pro Mod that will then support you throughout the rest of the year. And I think well, by Miller, getting this race on CBS, it's going to happen. Tickle to death to come to this thing. He's coming down there going to be hands-on. He's going to help me. And don't think him and Tyler changed the rear in the carpet Virginia twice by themselves. They, they'll work. You know, they, they're not somebody that don't work. They work every day. So I told Russell, I said, come on down there and bring your working clothes now where you probably got to do some work. But, you know, He's excited, and, and my guy, Parkway Ford, Junior Michael, I mean, he asked me, he said, after we'd done our deal and had all this decided we was going to run the PDR, um, PDRA thing and a couple NHRs and all, and then this deal come about, and he saw it. You know, He said, you going to go down and run that race? You know, blah, blah, blah. I said, yeah, good deal. He said, that thing looks like it's pretty big. I said, yeah, it's going to be a good deal. So it, it helped me with everything. Like you say, it, it's good exposure, you know. And that's what we're here for, man. And that, I think that my goal for this is, and I've told, I'm, I consider Tommy Franklin and Tyler, those guys like family. Um, I, I hold the NMCA team in high regard, uh, Haney and the Midwest guys, John Mazarana and all the Northeast Outlaw Pro Mod guys. I mean, it, the NHRA crew, Eric Dillard, Marty Rock, everybody that's spearheading that deal, Debbie and the gang at ProLine. I want to see all those series and sanctions be successful. And I think that we can, I think we can create something that feeds those series. You know, I don't want to come out here and compete with them. I'm never going to put a race on top of one of theirs. I, I'm hand to God. You know, that's not what we're here to do. But a high tide lifts all boats. And if we can get a lot of excitement and enthusiasm around ProMod to start the year every year, hopefully these other sanctions and events will be able to maintain it, and it will all build over time. That's right. that's the goal. Right. I mean, that's like I say it. Whether I get out at the end of this year, and more likely I am, I know I've been saying that, but some stuff happened last year. I thought I had my shop sold and it didn't happen. You know, forget all that. You know, I'm going to run one more year. Russell wants to race, so we're going to race again. But I'm, I, I'll be 70 next year I, at Christmas. I'll be ready. I'm, I, it's time to roll out, Wes. I ain't got no problem with that. I, I, I am tickled to death to be where I got. I, I, could, I could fall out to, today and be happy in a way even though I know I'm still competitive and I still want to race, you know, I've made it this far. I can retire. I think I'm okay on my money situation and probably live. I told my wife, I said, the way I budget out what I've got, I said, I think I can live. I'm 92. Now after that, we're going to be broke. So <laughs> I said, you know, we just got whatever, but you know, I, it just, this deal here is just, is great to, to be up for, you know, and get the, and I'm still going to get the race and be at this high level, big money race, you know, and stuff. And, and, uh, I know y'all, one thing I want to say, I saw you with the deal with West um, with uh, Jay and he's talking about, you know, you asked him about, you know, who it's going to be some people that can't handle the pressure and can't do this and can't do that. You know, who you think and all this. Well, let me tell you something, Wes. Pressure. I don't even know what that is. Okay. Because pressure to me, is when you can race as long as I have, every time I go to the racetrack, 
or go to that starting line on Sunday, every one of them runs, forget the money. It's pressure. Big, it's a hundred thousand dollars more to me. It's a couple hundred thousand. It's through three hundred thousand. Because here's the deal with me. If I don't win or make rounds and make good showing, I don't get to race. I don't have a company to come to support my deal. So every time I go to a race somewhere or another, I got all I got more than a hundred thousand dollar pressure on me. So if pressure's gonna get somebody, it ain't gonna be my ass. Bring it on. <laughs> We needed. I needed some Ricky Smith quotes, and my God, you delivered, my friend. Um, before I, I let you go, Ricky, I'm just. Don't you feel? Well, a you could quit. You could have quit 20 years ago and held your head high. Um, but don't you agree that there's an opportunity? You've got a, a big. I know you're almost 70, and I'm not trying to put you to work, Ricky. But <laughs> I believe there are people that would pay big, big money to have you spearhead their program. I think you can run. I mean, look at what Stevie just put together with um, uh, Sidney Frigo. I think there's going to be more and more opportunities like that. Uh, is that some? Does that interest you in like overseeing a team or, or something like that? Way you know, it's just a, I've always tried to be competitive. I always I've been serious as crap about this stuff since the day I got in it. I mean, I won my first championship in 1976. Graduated from high school in '72, so. <laughs> I'm competitive and I don't want to, I'm not going to get hooked up with somebody that may want to pay me real good, but they're not, they're not serious. We ain't going in there getting drunk at night and next day you screw up up there. It's hard enough to win when you, when you try to keep yourself mentally right on race day, you know, you can't go up there and just turn the light red by four and five hundreds or be late, you know, a 10. Okay. I mean, we can all be 040 or, I mean, uh, 060, 070 on Sunday. That's very easy to happen. You wouldn't late. It's just, man, from 025 to 065, do you realize how, <laughs> what that is? That is absolutely nothing. But on the racetrack, it's a fucking mile. <laughs> but, you know, so I'm just saying, you can't, you know, you can't give stuff away. You know, is that I, something you've struggled with, Ricky? Like, it's like uh, we talk around here that like the yin has to match the yang. You have to find someone that's like equally yoked. Right. And that I'm sure it would be fine, hard to find anybody that's takes this stuff as seriously as you do. There's good race. What it is, there's good racers out there, and a lot of your good racers. And I'm not downing anybody, but a lot of your good racers don't have the money to do it right. A lot of people has got the money to do it right. I'm not, and there's still some out there serious. Don't get me wrong. A lot of them serious, but it's it's you got to get the yang to match the ying or whatever you call it. You know, yeah. I mean stuff like that. So, you know, I mean, I, I hey, my car. You know, I may be getting on up there. People say, well, hell, he, he what is, what has he done? I ain't done a lot in outlaw trim. I will admit that. But when you come to NHR, even though the way they got the rules, this old boy here can race you. I mean, you know, they say, well, he, you know, he, he, you know, I don't want to race him. He ain't good on the tree. Really? <laughs> like you said, you know, because when I have to race and you can ask Stevie, I think Stevie's watched me enough to know what's going on. When I have to race you, I'd be good when I want to. What people don't realize is the work I do between rounds and 
your body when you start getting this age. And I think about this. I mean, I ain't perfect shape by no means. Well, but when you get in that car and it's 90 degrees outside and it's 110 grams of water, damn, before you even get to the start line, you're soaking wet with that suit on and all. I ain't no young chick no more. I don't know what my heart's doing. Everybody says that my, my physical and all, I'm in great shape. But when you're putting that kind of, for me to have a good life, okay, that's the reason I don't do much in qualifying. I hadn't really in all my career. But in qualifying, I don't try to cut good lights. I just try to get me a 40, 50, 60. And, but I'm listening at the car. I'm feeling the car. I'm trying to see what's going on. But for me to pump myself up in the last, say, eight or nine, ten years, when I'm backing up, and if I forget this backing up sometimes, and I do, I get back to the damn thing, then I go, gosh, damn, then I'm just going. <laughs> when I'm backing up, I'm, I'm backing up going. And I'm, back, and I'm doing that when I'm back on race day. And what that's doing, that's getting my blood flowing. That's getting me going. Because when I sit on these cars, I sit down and I'm like I'm sitting here with you. <laughs> too watch, comfortable watching tv at home i'm just sitting there so relaxed in reaction time is all about adrenaline adrenaline and controlling adrenaline okay and that's what i'm trying to do i'm trying to get myself so damn pumped up it's stupid but when you realize what you've done in these runs you get on the other end and and you asked in your heart to do this at this age it just bothers me sometimes and that's the reason I'm just watching what I do, Wes. I want to, <laughs> I don't want to have a heart attack in these cars. And I ain't afraid of nobody. Don't get me wrong. I fight you. I fight a monkey. I have, I fight any damn body. Still at my age. You, you scrap me long enough. I'm going to fight you. You may whoop my ass, but I'm going to be on you. Now, I ain't afraid of nobody. Nobody. But, and I ain't afraid to die because I believe in the Lord. And I, I'm going to see my mom and dad one day. But I ain't ready to die yet. <laughs> Not because of stupidity. So, I try to watch myself how hard I work myself on race day. And I've talked to Chad about this, you know, but you got to get, I have to work myself so hard on Sunday when I'm backing up that I'm almost out of control in that car breathing and stuff. And I feel like what I'm doing, maybe I'm doing totally wrong, but to me, it feels like I'm getting myself generated and I'm making myself my blood flow and I'm getting myself hyped up in there to run because I don't care who I'm running, whether I'm running Stevie, Lyle, whoever. That really don't get me hyped up enough. I got to get myself. You got to do it yourself. The biggest yeah. thing that hypes me up a bunch, and it has all my career. And if you watch, piss me off and see what happens. I'm going to be on your ass. Piss me <laughs> off. Go back and look at my career. Piss me off. Most people go bananas and they lose it. They really like to do everything. And Ronnie Wilson will tell you he was with me all through my glitting years and all that. And Chad's been with me. Piss me off. And you better be ready to get on with it up there. That you, they they think they're hurting me. God knows they're helping me. Because <laughs> I think some of these guys try to play games with you. And oh, bring I, I mean, I know some guys that used to take their time. They'd wait, 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 wait on you. Or they would drag their feet. And I would tell, like, Guys, you're playing into this is exactly what he wants you to do because now he's going to be good and pissed off and he's probably going to go 0 12 on you. you right? On, you give me plenty of time to think about it over and get concentrated. Do you, you know, think that there's a strategy? Because 
you know, I like, you know, I like any opportunity that I have to like mention your name uh, alongside like Michael Jordan or, or, or Le- LeBron James. I like to do that because you see these guys when they get to certain points in their career and they've had a lot of success, they know when to lay up and they know when to turn it on. I mean, you'll see fans. LeBron James is notorious for this middle of the season. He's you know, he's not playing defense the way he normally would. Right. You you know, but you get into, you know, game seven of the playoffs and he's like a totally different human being. Like (laughs) you haven't seen him perform at that level all season. Do you feel that that's kind of what you're tapping into? Kind of what I'm tapping into. That's kind of what I'm tapping into my last probably eight or 10 years, you know, Wes. I mean, it's it. No one to turn it on. And no one to turn it on, you know, and no one to get your body going, you know, and it's, it's just a tough thing to do when you get older. And these guys, God bless them. I mean, whether it's Stevie, Lyle, uh, uh, whoever out there, you know, these young kids. I call them kids. You know, to me, they're kids. I mean, 30 years old or 40, you know, they're kids. But anyway, uh, I hope they live long enough to, to get 65 or 70 like I have and see what I went through from the time I turned 60 till I turned 70. Wes, I won three championships, NHRA championships, since I turned 60. 60. Well, it's unbelievable. I don't think that somebody like Stevie or Lyle will be driving these cars at 60. And Erica Enders, take her, Francis. God bless. I love her to death. She's a badass woman to drive. I wouldn't want to try to match her on reaction time, you know. But Erica Enders ain't going to be in no pro stock car at 60. Ain't happening. Can you see a 60 year old woman driving a pro stock car? It ain't happening. No, so I agree. What I agree 100%. I turned 60 has been more, to me, almost more amazing than what I did when I was 20 and 30. You know, as we sit here and think about it, because that kind of hit me in the stomach, I'm going, well, shit. You know, this guy, yeah, he's accomplished more than most ever will between 60 and 70. Right. It, it's, it's an unbelievable – Mike and I talk about this all the time. When you have – and I know we need to wrap this up, guys. And I appreciate everybody. We're getting all sorts of great comments. And seriously, from on behalf of myself, everybody at Drag Illustrated, and, and I'm Ricky as well, we appreciate these aren't these conversations aren't fun to have without a crowd. And <laughs> and we appreciate everybody tuning in, clicking like, clicking share, clicking subscribe. Help, thank you guys for being a part of this. But kind of, you know, last l- little thing here to talk about. Don't you think that that's kind of the magic of? I mean, that's what's part of the beauty of drag racing is that you can do it. And be competitive at nearly 70. I mean, I think that's some of the, the coolest part of this whole deal is, you know, that you're still at it at, at 69 years old. And, and one of the things Mike and I talk about, longevity, it, that's really what separates Ricky Smith. Because there's a lot of big names, you know, a lot of greats that have existed in Pro, Pro Modified. I mean, I think about... You know, Scotty Cannon is a, a huge fan favorite. Right. Um, it has has accomplished a ton. I think about Shannon Jenkins. I my heart. I got excited last week. Shannon called me, and I was just excited to see his name pop up on my phone. He's a hero of mine. Um, but most of these, I mean, the list goes on, right? Guys that have really big careers, but unfortunately, they've they've gone on to do other things, and you're still out here. I mean, that longevity is really what makes Ricky Smith. I mean, pro mod greatest of all time, man. I mean, I'm here to say, well, you know, well, if I could tell you, all I, from 60 to 70 and what I've done, uh, you know, 
If you don't like me, you don't like me. That's that's fine. We all like our own people. Okay, that ain't. But just respect what I've been able to do. Well, God, know, from your mouth to God's ears, brother. I think that uh, the the drag racing world holds you in high regard, and I appreciate you. I may, not, I may not win another race in my career, and that can very easily happen. Okay, because it's competitive out here, and, and the money situation, blah blah blah, and and being able to keep chatted. I know. No, me and Chad don't have to speak. Okay, we can run all day long and don't don't have to speak. We know what each other's doing. When I get in that car, Chad knows exactly what I'm gonna be doing. If he sees something that I do different, he knows I'm doing it different for a reason. It ain't because I just broke my routine. If I do something different, it's because I see something going on and I got to do it to make my car get down the track or whatever's going on in the other lane or something like that. You know, we just know each other. So that helps a lot with confidence, you know, in the car, just being able to know the guy standing on the outside of the car is watching what's going on. He knows if I need something right quick, boom, it's done. But I'm just saying here I am. Maybe this is my last year. Maybe last, maybe last year was probably my last year running all the NHRA stuff, but I won a race over last year. My team won two. We won two. Tyler won one and I won one. So, that's pretty bad ass for a team to come over and run, win two races and have both cars in the finals at the same time. And I tune them both. That ain't never happened. And to have Tyler have that kind of success right <laughs> off the bat. I mean, you've put, let's be honest, you've put other people in that car and not had those kind of results. Absolutely. So that says a lot about the program and, 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 and Tyler Miller. Jonathan Gray's won in that car. Jonathan Gray won in my car. Bo Butner. He had never drove a pro mod car. He went to the second race he went to was in the finals. It <laughs> ended. Biggest race of the year. You remember him and yeah. him, uh, Jonathan Gray were in the finals. It's unbelievable. Oh. Well, Ricky, I want to tell you, I'm going to leave you with this. I called you a couple of months ago and told you that I wanted I wanted to invite you to the World Series of Pro Mod. And we, we've had a lot of conversations about this at the magazine. And we couldn't have this race without you. It'd be a sin. It'd be a tragedy. And I just hope you know that we appreciate your belief. I know you got a lot of options. You, you, you're, you're set. You can do whatever you want to do. But I want you to know that it's not lost on me. We genuinely appreciate you choosing to come be a part of this. Because uh, you don't have to. I know that. And well, it I'm means a lot to me. So thank you. Well. I'm glad that my health's good enough and I'm still got a car and I'm, and I'm able to come and run your race. I'm just, <laughs> you'll see one day if you live as long, how, how good it's going to be to be able to still do this at 69 or 70. Whether I win or not, I'm still, I'm, I'm a threat. You can bet your ass of who runs me down there. They know I'm, I ain't going to be no duck. I mean, I don't give a damn if they outrun me three or four hundred. They know they better get up and get on with it, you know, and get it, get it right. You know, I, like I've told Chad, I said, Chad, here's when I'm going to realize I am a duck. I said, everybody that runs me, and you've watched me for 13 years, every son of a gun, even though it don't matter who they are, whether they're good on the tree or not. Wes, 90% of the time, go back and find everybody that's run me. Them son of a guns is 20 or double O, or all, they're just stupid on the tree when they run me. And the next round, I go run somebody, and 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 they lie be 040 or 08. I mean, not even 040. They'd be 080, 060, yeah. 070. So I said, when people start being 080 and 112 and all this shit against me, then I know I'm done. I'm a duck. But well, you're right certainly now, not a duck right now, Ricky. Man, sure. uh, 
You're there right, though. Ain't nobody giving me the duck so far. No, I, you did a you did an interview with one of our guys a f- several years ago, but the the title of the story was "Racing Out Front" because I think that's a unique. Very few people know what it's like to compete when everybody's giving you their best shot, and that's what you're talking about. Everybody goes up against Ricky, and they're this is the tune up they've never tried before. This is the right. I mean, they're they're swinging for the fences every single time, and I that's rare air. Not a lot of guys have experienced that. It's hard to win when they're doing that to you all the time. It's just. It's I would hard. argue that it's easier to be. And none of this stuff's easy, so no one take offense. Right. But but the fact is that, you know, it's easy to get up when everybody's counting you out, right? <laughs> it's easy to get fired up. It's like you see these basketball or football teams, these epic comebacks, because it's hard to maintain a lead. You you see a team get way out in front at halftime, it's hard to keep that up. You know what I mean? Because right. you're going to get a little lazy. You're going to take a couple plays off, right? And that that's when the the underdog jumps up and bites you. So you're you make a fantastic point, Ricky. And well, I don't see you as a duck anytime soon, my friend. Thank you so much for spending your afternoon with us and everybody watching. Let's give it up for the living legend, the greatest of all time, Tricky Ricky Smith. Mike JT, get on here. Let's give this guy a round of applause. Oh, thank y'all. I thank you, buddy. Thank you, do out here, Wes and Mike. Hey, JT, I appreciate all this stuff. I mean, it, it just, I just love it. I mean, I, I you know, I'm. I'm looking forward to going out and having a little fun and me and old Scott Palmer having our little deal and getting to race each other. And this I think is, he's excited. This yeah. is probably oh going to be a little different <laughs> race for me than I've ever really raced in 40-some years, my attitude going into it. I'm going to go into it. I want to have a little fun. I'm going to be serious. I always have, but I want to enjoy it a little bit, you know. Uh, so that'll be cool to see. Time, buddy. Yep. Thank you so looking much, forward to it. We'll talk soon, my friend. Don't bring too much beer around my trailer. No, man. (laughs) Tough shit. JT's got some, especially (laughs) for you. I love everybody. All right. See you, man. Thank you, Ricky. Thank you, Ricky. Ricky. Love you, buddy. Oh, my goodness, guys. What a a show. Are we lucky to get to do this or what? Man, yeah, Ricky, Ricky was bringing it today, man. We have, was. I was trying to write down quotes. Like, he, well, he pretty much, Craig Cook, Kayla, machine. all my team here, Nate Van Wagner. I hope Blake. everybody took yep. notes because <laughs> we need everything he said was money. I mean, everything he said was gold. So, hey, I want to thank everybody, JT, uh, Mike, uh, of course, for being a part of this, but everybody that tunes in each and every Wednesday, it means the world to us. We really do feel like. It's a privilege and an honor, but it's also a responsibility. Somebody has to keep the pot stirred. Somebody's got to keep drag racing in the limelight, and we are, uh, we're proud to be the ones to do it. If you don't know, now you know. WorldSeriesOfProMod.com, the biggest three days in drag racing, the biggest, richest ProMod drag race in the history of the known universe. March 3rd, 4th, 5th, 2023, Bradenton Motorsports Park. Get your tickets now. I'll tell you what, guys. Ticket sales are looking good, Mike. I think you got a little... You got a little excited this morning when you got the little report, eh? <laughs> yeah, man. I love getting that report every morning. Right? Get your VIP tickets like now. Uh, I would go do that now. right now. Yeah, they, they going to go. So, hey, guys, thanks, everybody. Uh, appreciate the support. Click like, click subscribe, do all your due diligence, and we'll see you next Wednesday right here on the Drag Illustrated Facebook and YouTube channels. Huge shout-out to Stroud Safety, Redline Oil, Flow, Flow Racing, and everybody that supports this, uh, this endeavor. We appreciate it. Can't do it without you. Yep. See you all. Thanks, man.